Okay, so now we're going into our anime discussion. Discussion, discussion, discussion. Yay! <laughs> what we waited all season for. Right. It feels like we waited all season <clears throat> for this anime discussion uh, just in the past, from the from the time we started this recording until now. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So um, we'll kind of just do what we did last time we'll just kind of uh breeze through all the anime that ended up on our you know complete list i guess you could say and um then you know i'll do i'll go you go and then we'll highlight the three animes that we want to talk about and kind of you know air air out what we wanted to say about each of those so on my list of what we finished uh or what i finished uh was platinum end ranking of kings um blade runner black lotus which is actually kind of like last season but it's in this weird spot i'm not actually gonna end up talking about this anime anyway so but i feel like i have to kind of mention it uh tokyo 24th ward sabakui bisco tribe nine kuroshi i attack on titan final season part two and slow loop um among the anime that i have dropped that i started and i dropped um, I dropped Doll's Frontline, and uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, you know what I didn't? I also dropped as well. I dropped uh, Futsal Boys. Um, although I didn't really drop it, I like okay. I did drop it for a while, and then I watched a bit, and then I dropped it again, kind of like I just stopped. So I I caught up on everything. So even when I was in the end of my the seasonal stuff, and I was like, okay let's finish up all the shows in the season. I didn't finish up Futsal Boys. Like, I'm sure that I will, but it, just, it was never a priority to me the entire season. It's weird. Like other shows, I like, I, I definitely, even shows I didn't care about that much, I still felt as though I had some kind of compulsion to finish it. But even with Futsal Boys, I just did not feel any compulsion at all. I'm, <clears throat> I have one on mine that's pretty much the same way. <laughs> so what's, what's on your, uh, what's on your list? So, uh, with for anime I finished this season, we have In the Land of Leedale. We've got Demon Slayer Entertainment District Dark, Dress Up Darling, Slow Loop, Tribe Nine, and Police in a Pod. Alrighty. Those were my finished ones. <clears throat> then I also had. The one that basically was like Futsal Boys for you with uh, Miss Kuromitsu from the Monster Development Department. Mm. I enjoy this series. I think it was fun. And I got about to the halfway point, like episode seven. And then I just, partly because of me having to binge all those Crunchyroll things before they vanished, I kind of burned out and I was just like, all right, let me prioritize all their anime. And that was just the lowest priority was Kuromitsu. It's a mm-hmm. good series, but it definitely is one of those ones that I'm like, yeah, compared to the other ones on here, it was the one that got the boot for right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I will go back and finish it. Like, I'm confident on that. Yeah, and the same thing with Futsal Boys, too. It's like, I especially, uh, there's not very many episodes left in the seasons I, I did have. And um, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, most of the time when I'm watching anime... I'm watching anime with my my brother, so we both kind of like that's just the kind of um, 
the habit, the the ritual that I have when it comes to watching anime. So, like, when we don't have anything to watch, we'll be like, hey, I want to, like, finish up Futsal Boys, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm not kind of like this guy who's like, you know, oh, at this time every day, you know, I, I'm going to watch this particular show. Like, it's, it's more like my anime is revolving around when I'm watching my anime with my brother and we're, we're kind of hanging out. So, um, but yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I totally get you. Like some, some shows are just kind of like, you really just don't want to feel compelled. Like some shows you don't mind being compelled to watch, but then other shows, if you feel compelled, you just really don't want to do it. <laughs> well, I think also one of my issues was this season. I picked a lot of anime without fully thinking about it going into it that like wow a lot of these are very similar slice of lifestyle things like Mm -hmm. not many of them had much of a continuing plot that would be like with a shonen series where it's like oh once they get to this fight like you're just next episode next episode next Mm -hmm. episode it's all more stuff like you know oh well yeah i mean the episodes are nice but there's not much reason to keep going immediately and binging this stuff so it made it a little tougher when every one of your anime except for like two are like that for the entire season well some shows i pretty much all shows i could binge i could binge anything right but i can't watch every show week to week like futsal boys i could never watch week to week i just could not do it but whenever i have done it i binged it i watch a you know a bunch when it first came out, I watched the first episode, and then I dropped it for a while, and then I watched a bunch of episodes, and basically almost caught up, like minus like an episode, and then more came out, and I watched a few episodes. So I can watch like more than one episode at a time. It's easier to do it that way. But when if I feel like I have to like eat it slowly and savor it, it's like no. <laughs> it's like no I, i'm not gonna do this i'm just gonna go <laughs> go watch something that i much rather much rather watch but so i noticed that you have two animes on your list that are highlighted were those all the animes that you wanted to pinpoint or um so all the ones that were not part of the what are we watching got it i okay. think now i also will have this one as a one for me since I believe you mentioned, I don't know if you finished Police in a Pod. You know, I did finish Police in a Pod, but for some strange reason, I didn't include it on my my list. I definitely okay. finished it. That's All weird. Right, so we'll, it'll be in the like. One oh, that we're that's both the reason watching. why I I didn't put it in my okay. my list because. Um. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Other than the ones we're both watching, which is Police in a Pod, Slow Loop, and Tribe Nine. I only have two that I'll be really fully talking about. Okay. Because I don't feel like there's too much to say about Demon Slayer, the Entertainment District arc. Since it is pretty much a continuing series from right. other seasons. Like, there's not a whole lot to to mention. Right. We should have, we should have a discussion about that as well. Kind of like... Well, I'll have to frame that in, a, in another time, but, like, the ability, like, what discussion looks like for shows that end in a season or two versus shows that don't 
really end until they kind of just end, you know, like those ongoing shows and what discussion yeah. looks like. Cause I, I oftentimes find that I have less to say about shows that are ongoing than I do about shows that are definitive that I kind of, yeah, they, there's more to talk about when it's like, Oh, well I've seen the beginning and the end. Like I've seen it all the way through. Right. Versus like, yeah, it was, you know, 12 episodes of an anime. Like, it was good 12 episodes, but it was just 12 more episodes of the series. <laughs> right, right. All right, so the shows that I want to talk about are uh, Platinum End... Ranking of Kings, Sabaku Ibisco, and Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2. So, Platinum End uh, was, has, been, <laughs> has been an interesting discussion uh, for us on this podcast because I was really, um, I was really like frustrated, very frustrated about the characters and kind of the direction last time we talked, but... The show, I have to admit, ended on a really great note. Um, spoilers, by the way. This is the end uh, of season podcast. I don't think there's really much to say about Platinum End that doesn't include spoilers. So I'll give you like an independent spoiler warning for each of these episodes or, that I, or each of these shows that I'm, I'm talking about. So I'm going to go right into the spoilers of Platinum End. Uh, if that's all right with you, Scott. That's fine with me. I'm good. <laughs> ultimately there's a lot of ups and downs in platinum end the main character started off as this essentially a these words are just not coming in what's the word when you're you know you're against violence pacifist <laughs> pacifist <laughs> yes so the main character is this very like pacifist kind of character, but he almost seems to be that way out of an ignorance or a lack of understanding or insight because he's also a young character and he was kind of, he's, he's running off of a lot of presuppositions that because of things his parents taught him and like things that society expects of him and things like that and essentially what we're dealing with as we've mentioned before i mentioned before in previous podcasts if you have a basic idea of the show there are 12 god candidates and god is a thing in this anime and he he sends these angels down to select god candidates all of which are suicidal or they've lost all purpose in their life basically they're suicidal right and the reason why is because they would theoretically have the most impetus, the most incentive to change things. So, you know, he, he is this suicidal character turned pacifist once he becomes a god candidate. You know, the god candidates, depending on the angel that recruits them, are bestowed wings and or arrows one arrow which will bring essentially just to be kind of rough and, and crude with it brainwash you right it's a red arrow it, it, it makes you fall in love with the arrow the shooter right like a cupid kind of thing interesting 
but there's a bunch of restrictions on it and i can probably talk about some of my my confusion and frustrations with those restrictions and then a white arrow which will kill you instantly uh so you may have just wings just arrows or both depending on the ranking of your angel which is kind of arbitrary based upon the writer and what he wanted to <laughs> you know what he wanted to do Anyway, he, uh, the main character ends up with wings and both arrows. He gets the best angel, essentially, of course. Well, yeah, he's main character. <laughs> and he doesn't want to really use any of it. You know, he doesn't want. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, hurt people. I don't want to. I mean, he ends up using the red arrow. And and that's the thing. It's like there's all these questions because the, the show really starts off very philosophical. I mean, they they just start off and saying. God sent down angels to recruit people to become the next God. Because he's basically, in 999 days, he's going to be, God's going to die. And he needs the, ne- the next God to be chosen from 12 suicidal people. And without like going through it, the entire story, I don't want to hit on the main beats here. I'm trying to think what, what I want to mention. I probably should have written notes. I'm actually, this is all off the cuff, by the way. There's no notes for any of these. <laughs> His name's the main character's name is uh oh I need to pull that up but he ends up just being kind of a character who doesn't really drive the the story forward and all of the antagonists drive the story forward so there's two main antagonists one of the antagonists his name is Metro Polyman and he basically is this. You know, when you first see him, he's like this kind of rich, very like sophisticated, level-headed individual who ends up masquerading around the city as this kind of uh, like superhero, basically like this Japanese superhero akin to Power Rangers or something like that, yeah, right? So he just has like pretends essentially or thinks he's a super sentai character yes exactly exactly and he has his suit and the suit actually has like these like features in it that would suggest that and of course you know his his wings allow him to fly and he has all of his 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 arrows and whatnot both red and white so he he's like masquerading as some sort of hero as justice and then he goes back to like his little uh his little base where he sits down his little throne, you know, looking all sophisticated, you know, his, 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 uh, his fist under his chin, you know, and he, to me, it seems like a really interesting character because what I wanted to see out of this show is a show that took its premise really seriously. And in the beginning, it didn't really, it, it did seem like it was doing that, but then Metro Man ended up being this like raging lunatic who, ends up hiring these these like weird comic book character thugs one of which who's like this big bodacious nurse who's crazy about viruses and and poisons and and like these biological weapons and things like that and killing like massive amounts of people and this other guy who has like these machine like anti-aircraft gun strapped to his side and (laughs) 
I mean, it really, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds entertaining. Right, well, as far as like the uh, the character concepts. Right, right, and, and you know, it, it really is. But what frustrated me a little bit was that he wasn't a he didn't allow the main character to really be challenged in a in a way because he wasn't giving a good answer like i don't mind a character who's taken their logical ideas about the world to an extreme to the point where they seem crazy you know quote unquote or very antisocial but he legitimately had like this air of having everything together and then his argument was that he essentially wanted a world of beautiful beautiful people where he would kill all the ugly people the 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 poor people and then the the well the ugly people specifically and then all of the the beautiful men would be essentially promoted to like some kind of authority and all the women would be subject to essentially being mothers <laughs> right interesting yeah yeah exactly it's it's so i'm like wow this guy is this guy's pretty you know that's intense <laughs> yeah and um and uh i was like okay how does this like really fit into like your worldview and whatnot? And essentially he said something to the, to the effect of that. The only thing that anyone really cares about is beauty, right? That that's what makes people happy. And, and the main character, he's also on this search for happiness essentially. Cause his angels like, you know, you need to do whatever makes you happy. And his parents once told him you need to do whatever makes you happy. Like happiness is what we're all looking for or whatever. So they've kind of turned this anime about God and existence and seeking happiness and meaning in your life into like this anime represented by the, the rules of the game that they're playing or whatnot. And Metropolitan ends up turning into turning the game into some kind of like death match in the beginning. Like, cause he starts going around killing other God candidates and other God candidates are now kind of like, well, I guess that might be the best way. Cause ultimately what needs to happen and they didn't really explain this in the beginning, but what, what they found out to be the, the case later is that in order for a God candidate to be chosen, that they all have to agree on it. And then they essentially promote that person to being God. But if, you know, for instance, one of the God candidates kills all of the other God candidates, then they're the only ones that are left then to... No one can <laughs> deny them. <laughs> they are all in agreement. I promote myself. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like um, the little loophole of the system. Right, right. You know, halfway into the show, he ends up getting killed. Um, he also ends up being like this siscon who's who killed his own sister because he denied him, and uh, uh, it, it was it was kind of on accident, but it was like it was a really weird situation, and yet he he just ended up being so repugnant as an individual that he didn't actually redeem the main character. Because it's like, okay, someone slightly, someone who held slightly 
more antisocial beliefs than the main character could have easily been an antagonist for uh the, the you know for the main character uh, i keep i need to stop calling the main character i think it was like mirai i think it was let's see here platinum and here we go i'm terrible with names i need to write this stuff down <laughs> yeah i may or may not have opened pages on wikipedia for all of the ones that i will be discussing <laughs> right right yeah so that i could try and have a cheat sheet i'm like so unorganized man but uh, I'm I'm very sure it's Mirai. But he um but so it's like okay yeah it's Mirai Kakahashi. So he ended up just what it what it did was it made it made the main character feel like some kind of self insert for the writer or something like that like it felt disingenuous I felt deeply spoon-fed and deeply kind of like patronized almost because i felt as though the main character was like this this bastion of virtue and then, and then the enemy who was like really sm- seemed to be really smart and like sophisticated and like i had some really like you know pointed and like really tough answers to some existential questions that might be kind of controversial right but but i still have like an answer to it instead he ended up being just some raging homicidal crazy dictatorial lunatic with who's all over the place and just and just like he busts out his eye his pupils are dilated he's like you know his tongue stick out his mouth spits flying out of the place he's like all you know like he just did like a 180 (laughs) right it's like oh well I mean, you don't have to be Hitler to make the main character look like he's a good person. Like, to there's a a wide range of ways that you could be a good person that can, and a wide range of ways that you could be a quote unquote bad person. Or I like to I use like to use the term social and antisocial when I'm referring to ideas of good and bad. But um, yeah, you, you were saying? Oh, I was gonna say like it. It's kind of like they could have just had him be ideologically opposed to those things, you know, and that's what makes him virtuous. Not necessarily like, oh, we have to make this dude so unlikably evil and crazy. Yeah. That you, like, you would never think that he was, like, was even making good points. Like, right. he was, you know, versus the side of, well, yeah, he's saying some tough truths and you may not agree with them. But they are a way, you know, yeah, like yeah. a solution. Like, it's not the best solution. And maybe that's the difference is that the character is trying to figure out a better solution than this. But it's like, versus like, no, nah, he's just crazy. That's just crazy Steve over there. Like, Right, right. It's just the lack of consistency across, you know, what, what he said. And, like, the reason why it felt inconsistent, I guess I need to explain that, is because, I mean, he had, like, this taxidermy or like this frozen version or he took his sister's corpse and froze it and like hung it on his wall in his basement. And he's like, and like, I don't want, and he's like, I killed you because if I can't have you, then your beauty will fade. And so he killed his sister and then hung her corpse on the wall to be like, now your beauty is preserved. 
And I'm like, okay. Like, um, I like that idea. I think that idea, like the idea that beauty is the ultimate human virtue is very interesting and potentially dangerous as most ideologies taken to their, their greatest extreme are. But like, I do think that that's a really interesting thing to delve into, but they never, he, he lacks so much nuance and it's like, okay, they jumped right to how he was going to like enact this. And it's like, well, how are you going to get everybody on board with that? How are you, what's the way you're going to convince people of that? And he, he lacked all of these like elements of rationality that allowed him to be, to make his point really seem like, whoa, like Mirai really has something ideologically to contend with, you know? Yeah. So, because I, I definitely am not against the idea that beauty is the ultimate human virtue. Um, I think I mean, we can go really crazy deep with this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, obviously, like, you know, the, the idea that beauty is in the eye of the beholder is interesting. But when you combine everyone's, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, uh, everyone's ideas of beauty altogether you end up with some kind of arguably objective idea of what beauty probably is which is how a lot of things are 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 conclusions are made it's like what are the things that most people agree on like that's probably what that is so and if you're if he's god he would definitely have the ability to enact that if he became god okay what what would what would a, a life a universe where that took place what would that actually look like but they, they never went there he just started cackling and stuff and he ended up getting killed by this anti-aircraft machine gun in slow motion no. <laughs> well, of course and, you gotta have the slow motion kill for him right and of course the main character didn't do it like he was definitely given a lot of opportunities where it's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna enact my will on the universe or you know or, or you're going to kill me, like one of the two. And, and he found ways around it. And ultimately, one of his, his his friend who was dying with cancer ended up using his last breath to kill the main character while he held the the antagonist down so that way he couldn't escape. So that way he felt morally, um, you know... That seems like a pussy way out. Yeah. It, yeah, it was. So let me kind of just like, you know push forward with this so that we're not like taking too much time with this i but ultimately the next antagonist ended up being this a scientist the most intelligent person on the planet you know heralded as the the greatest mind on the planet whose name is um let's see here what's this guy's name yonida gaku yonida and this is where things got a lot better Essentially, he's a secular humanist who believes that humans are like once you get down to it, humans are God. Like, and humans create the idea of God, and that humans are the ultimate being and like and source of rationality in the universe. And he changed the idea that like angels and 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 God exists, and that he literally is a god canon and he has an angel falling around and talking to him and stuff like that. But he rationalizes everything uh, to the point where he essentially believes that God is this organism that 
was created out of the collective wills of all human beings, right? And has this extremely, really well, like this is the this is the kind of ideological antagonist that the main character needs. Right. Yeah, someone that will challenge him more on an intellectual level instead of like, yeah, challenge yeah. him more with virtues and like an actual worldview. Right. Right. And the the long and the short of this, because the, the most important parts of his of his interaction is this. Essentially, at one point in the show, his plan is to have all of the guy candidates kill each other at the exact same time with white arrows in this mutual suicide, including himself, so that no god candidate can be selected, and that God will essentially not exist. Um, which so that way his own ideology can be supported and and i'm like wow that's that's powerful you know it is interesting that's that's an interesting concept (laughs) i'm like whoa like in a world in this world right where you know these rules have been set out like that is that's such that's genius you know it's like that's really, really clever. And uh, ultimately, he ends up being convinced that he doesn't know everything. And what he doesn't know could include, I guess, a, a more mystical version of what God is that than, than he, you know, than what he's come to understand, right? That's essentially what... what what he come what conclusion he comes to and at the very very end of the of the anime and by the way uh he's not like in direct ideological like opposition with me right but he he essentially realizes that like killing is necessary and that like everyone dies and that the things that that they're dealing with are very trivial in comparison to the grand <laughs> ideas that they're that they're grappling with right whereas mirai is just so he's so humanist he's so we're not humanist i'm sorry he's so like this is what i'm feeling right now you know i love her i th- i i'm my emotions are telling me to do this my heart's telling me to do that like this is wrong this is right like that's mirai <laughs> you know and uh i'm gonna do what you know i feel is best this moment because I want to, you know, that kind of thing without all of the long psychological hurdles that maybe some of the other antagonists have go through essentially. Yeah. We're thinking it all out. Right. Exactly. Um, and ultimately they come to the conclusion that that's completely valid, right? Um, that they're both valid in that in the end, (laughs) the conclusion. So I'll just go ahead and skip right to the end. They, this kid who's like, I'm going to kill myself, right? Because uh, I just don't have any like joy in life, right? He ends up getting promoted to be God. He, whoop, gets zapped up to heaven and he's God, right? <laughs> right? And then guess what he does when he becomes God? He kills himself. <laughs> what the hell? Right, right, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's more complicated than that, 
he told right. the, he told the scientist who he was very like he he had a lot of respect for that he once he became god he would tell he would show him some kind sort of sign of what the truth of the universe and all existence is but then he got up to heaven he's like oh snap it's like i'm kind of like in this pocket universe and i really can't can i can't show you but then he realizes wait a second he uh the arrow that i gave the arrows that i gave you right if i die then they'll disappear and you'll know that i exist so so <laughs> when he kills himself the arrows disappear the scientists realize oh snap like you know the kid this i forgot the kid's uh name the uh this little uh suicidal kid which is funny to say kind of messed up but <laughs> and he was yeah yeah um oh snap he really did become god he went to heaven and then he killed himself you know and um and it was all it was all true it was all real like i my my perceptions were were incorrect and but then all of heaven disappears and then following all uh following heaven every human being disappears starting from the very youngest to the oldest and all life on earth ceases to exist it's just this big dust ball floating in the in the the vastness of space and following that it said that all humans seek death and that our in basically i won't i can't paraphrase this but the idea was that our inevitable demise our inevitable deaths give all of our lives meaning essentially which is a, a very well um adjudicated and a very well um already thought out philosophy so it's nothing really new but the way that it kind of brought everything together i thought was actually really clever and that like basically it's the idea the platinum end if, to my knowledge is the idea that it's not that you have to die to appreciate your life but that your death needs to be inevitable in some kind of way whether it be tomorrow or a billion years from now it needs to be this platinum end this this ending that is certainly there no that's that's real and true in, in the most you know real way so that way you have a sense of urgency and a sense of meaning throughout your entire life and even god needs that because he had no purpose essentially right so when he killed himself and all it followed humans and if humans you know had no purpose then god also has no purpose which is why he inevitably dies you know so like they're they're kind of like so it, it was trying to like it was it was interesting i mean i don't think that i'd have to watch it again and probably like really like soak it in to figure out exactly what the philosophy was but that was kind of like my general idea of it and i was like man that was really good i clapped at the end so yeah so it was pretty good I, <laughs> yeah. seems like you enjoyed it yeah yeah so despite the kind of insufferable main character yeah, and he got better. I mean, so the fact that he, basically what he ended up being was essentially an answer to this, like, very secular humanist idea. He was basically an average person, right, right. to the smartest person to his 
ideologies and, and thoughts on, on the world and whatnot. Almost like a certain degree of like nihilism, you know, like one person's experiencing life in all of its complexity and all of its contradiction. I just want to be happy and what makes me happy one moment changes to the next. And I really don't, I can't back up all my ideologies because I really don't fully understand myself. Right. But I'm just living the best way that I can. And that includes doing bad things, things that I think that are good that ultimately end up hurting people and, and et cetera to this other person who's like, yeah, it's like, you're very small minded and we're all just meat bags. And, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's always a nice way to think. Like, right, you know, right. All just meat bags. It's fine. Right. So it's it's really great, and um, and and the ending wasn't nearly as like I guess depressing as I guess you would think because it's just kind of like a, a statement of fact. It's like everyone is searching for meaning, and everyone needs that meaning, and they all kind of get that meaning from the fact that they know they have priorities, and those priorities come from what they choose to put their attention on first and what they choose to put their attention on first comes from the idea that there's a certain degree of urgency and that they have a limited amount of time. So, yeah, I know. Rona Council. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely seems interesting. I probably still will end up skipping it. But. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, I'm not sure if it was worth going through some of the... Like, honestly... I wish that Yonida, the scientist, was just the antagonist throughout the entire. Metropolitan was completely unneeded. He is such, he's the worst character in the show. He ruined the show. He wasted so much of my time. But once the second half kicked in, it was great. And they got really into the into the the meat and potatoes that I was really hoping that they would in the beginning. So. Yeah, it's just sad that it took like, you know, half, you know, half of it of the series essentially to get to that point they should have just kind of probably brought him in a lot sooner yeah to be a better foil to the main character yeah i think that they wanted to basically have this person who was extreme and authoritarian in nature to kind of show hey this is what could happen right because if, if the scientists be end up becoming god let's say he he ended up becoming god it I don't think it would have been, like, cataclysmic. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? It would have probably been... Not as bad as the crazy guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, you know, it, it, it's... I mean, reality is already ha very harsh as it is, you know? Uh, there's a certain unfairness about life and reality that we all have to contend with. And I'm sure that this scientist who's extremely you know, I guess what logical and cold to a certain point, his version of reality probably wouldn't be that much more harsh than the way the reality already is, you know? Yeah. Um, I, 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 as you can tell, I could go on forever about this, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, platinum end, I do recommend that you watch it. Honestly, if I knew what I was expecting, I would have probably enjoyed it more because I felt like, man, like this show is never going to get better. And it does, but I had to suffer 
unironically do the show through the first half of it. But if I realized that the first half was going to be a little bit wobbly, I could have definitely appreciated what you appreciated for what it was during the first half and then really like paid a lot of more attention in the second half and got the full amount of benefit. So if you end up listening to, to this, um, I do recommend it. Just kind of keep in mind that the first half is kind of, kind of, kind of weird. <laughs> All right. So you want to go ahead and talk about your first anime? Uh, sure. So I'll go ahead and start with my dress up darling. So this one was kind much of lighter. More, yeah, much lighter, and it was kind of like the breakout hit of the season oh, big for time. a lot of people. Like, it definitely hit the mainstream hard and is very popular right now. And I can absolutely see why. It's a very light-hearted romantic comedy about uh, Gojo, a high school kid who just doesn't really have relationships with people not because he doesn't necessarily want to but because of a bad experience in his childhood since he uh his grandfather makes traditional japanese hina dolls and he fell in love with them as a kid and that's what he also wants to aspire to become and of course kids being kids when he told his friends about that was ridiculed for liking dolls you know and that boys shouldn't do that so ever since then he's kind of been like okay well then i'm just gonna devote myself entirely to my craft and rather than make friends or anything else because what's the point i'm not like everyone else until of course he meets marin who is the main character and considered pretty much waifu of the season <laughs> is that really up for debate <laughs> yeah i mean she's great but of course like you know uh she is the super attractive character that just has a nerdy hobby and she somewhat likes anime but mostly just certain ones uh so far at least in the anime it's just hentai games and a magical schoolgirl series that she really watches but she loves uh cosplay and that's kind of how her and gojo meet is through cosplay since he can sew and that kind of starts the relationship it's really fun like it's very cutesy it's very uh it feels very natural in a way i mean Yes, it is kind of cliche that, oh, well, the hot chick actually has, like, a secret, you know, actually, she didn't even hide the fact that she likes some of the stuff, but it's like, oh, well, you know, see, they're appealing to nerds, but at the same time, Gojo has no idea about any of this shit, like, he's not, you know, normally when they do that, it's that the main character is, like, an otaku or something, right. that, oh, look, he found his love interest. You know, well, he, he's just not, like him. From what I've seen, he's not an otaku, but he's antisocial. And he doesn't, his personality isn't, doesn't seem, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is your anime that you're talking about right. here. No, no. But he no, seems like his personality isn't as intrusive as 
Marin. It's like Marin is obviously the personality that drives the show, whereas he can easily, you know, he's kind of more retracted. He's he's less intrusive on the show. So it's whether this is by intention or not, it's very easy to kind of project yourself onto him because he doesn't really take a lot of space, so to speak. Does that ring true? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about projecting myself because how should I put this? I'm a bad example when it comes to that type of stuff. I have never projected myself into any character whatsoever. Like, I've never seen myself in most characters. Like, I've seen aspects, maybe, but never, like, oh, that's me, or... Well, isn't projection actually the opposite of seeing yourself in someone? Like, seeing yourself in someone means that they're fleshed out enough to where you can relate to them. Projection is where they're empty enough to where they're just kind of a vessel for you to take their place. They're just a pair of eyes so that you can imagine as though you were in their place yeah, I've, ne- I've never imagined myself as a character like or in their place but either way like mm. he he's by design he's very just shy essentially for lack of a better word and reclusive uh because again after his experience he just didn't bother like he figured i have my grandfather and i have my dolls i love my my dolls and stuff like that and I just want to get better at this, take over my grandfather's shop. Like, what do I need with relationships? He's not necessarily against them. He just doesn't see a point to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Marin is the one that kind of drives the plot for the most part. Although he starts doing more as the series goes on. Like the series very much is him kind of coming out of his shell over time. And you start to realize, like, he may be an otaku in a specific way, not... Because I think what we need to understand is otaku isn't necessarily about anime and mangas and stuff like that. The otaku just simply means obsessed. Mm-hmm. And he becomes obsessed with things like making cosplays and wanting to, like... Uh, learn how to do like special effects makeup like they watch a movie and he's just like it's this horror movie and she's freaking out and he's like oh that is an awesome scene like i wonder how they did like the special effects makeup for this and how they artificially aged the clothing for the characters and Hmm. like he starts he starts gaining more of a personality so i think they try to make it seem and it almost at least i took it as he had a personality, he was just very walled off at the beginning. And stuff like that. And then he slowly starts coming out of his shell to the point where by episode 12, he's starting to take more of an active role in the plot. And, you know, starting to realize, like, you know, yeah, I can make decisions and I can go hang out with people on my own terms and I can do this and other avenues are opening like he's he's coming into his own like the personality was always there he just never showed it Mm -hmm. and i think that's true with a lot of people in real life like you can have some very shy people that yeah once you get to know them they're way more outgoing or that they've just been burned in the past and had bad experiences so they're you know less likely to be outgoing so they need that outgoing friend to to drive them forward. For what do you while. like about the show? So 
I like the romance. I think it's very cutesy and just very believable in certain ways because they do try to make it slow. Like, it's not a, oh, yeah, they're just suddenly massively in love and that's it. Like, they do try to make it where, you know, they just start out, like, will they, won't they type of thing. Like, I don't know. They just, at first, like, just being friends and being near each other and then it slowly starts evolving to like maybe feelings of love Marin's the first one to fall in love with him because he confesses to her that he only ever uses the word uh beautiful when talking about something he truly loves like hina dolls um and then as he's falling asleep on a train after their first cosplay shoot he like mumbles that she was beautiful today so now she suddenly is like wait does that mean he loves me like you know and starts slowly becoming more self-conscious about how she looks around him or how she interacts with him while he's kind of oblivious up until about halfway through and he starts realizing like maybe i do have feelings for her mm. but i probably shouldn't act on them so you know, uh, is Gojo is the main character's name, right? You said? Yes, Gojo. So his pathos is that he has a hard time opening up and that he feels insecure because he wants someone to see him for who he is. And he wants to be able to have someone appreciate his hobbies and to be able to like share that with someone. And they can unironically and without judgment appreciate that and, and whatnot. So... To a certain degree, he wants to basically be pursued. He wants to, he has a desire to be pursued. Does that sound correct? Uh, I would say for him, it's probably unconsciously, but well, yeah, that's like, how it is for most people. because yeah, <laughs> all yeah, all he would is wants is someone to just be a friend, but not judge him for his hobbies. Right, and pursued just means yeah, just yeah, be a, a, and that's any what, kind yeah. of intimacy, right? Yes. Okay, so that's and. Of course, his pros are that he's talented. He has the 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 dolls that he creates, and he's curious and he's creative. He's a creative person, right? And then on um, Marin's side, her um, pros are that she is also talented and she's outgoing. She's very sociable, right? She um likes to talk to people and be around people she's very uplifting and positive and energetic what would you say is her pathos um from this i can't fully tell if i'm gonna be honest with you yeah i, I i'm asking this question because i get the like, impression she doesn't have any <laughs> but and none that we've seen in the anime like i don't know if the manga because the manga is much farther than what the, where the anime leaves sure uh so i don't know if there is more or if maybe she's fleshed out more in the manga as well since they have more chapters and stuff yeah. to do things with she doesn't need to be but, have a pathos honestly for people to appreciate the show my main criticism and i don't want to like take over this i, I i'm only saying this no, that no, way you free. can <laughs> yeah I, I just want to like i'm saying these things so that way i can bring out this from you so that we can you kind of discuss the things that you believe about the show but from my 
my impression of the show is that and, and the reason why I think some people criticize the show, although the show is massively successful. So we're just little, you know, specks of dust in the wind. We're oh, not. Yeah, no, it, I'm not like the series has done well enough on its own. Like it doesn't right. really need. And but anything. that's never stopped me from criticizing anything. <laughs> but uh, um, but in, in this regard, you know, it's like and I have a lot of sympathy because I think there's a lot of anime out there that's basically like, hey, there's this male character who's down on his luck. He doesn't know how to open up. He's antisocial for some reason. He has this weird hobby and he doesn't know if people like him. And hey, there's this really attractive girl who pursues him, essentially. Whether it be at, for friends at first or obviously it's going to be romantic later on. And he doesn't have to ask or do anything or be anything more than what he is to be appreciated by this person who seems to be very excellent in a lot of ways right who seems to be ideal in a lot of ways and you know it's like you know um i i get that like i appreciate that like you know and i don't even judge it i don't think like i think a lot of us some people treat people who want this or get it from anime as like oh you disgusting worthless beta you 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 know you, you loser you, you can't you know <laughs> it's like yeah. a virgin like that's kind of that's cool cruel because we all have these innate desires and it's like we're just trying our best to live the way that we see you know so i don't think it's fair to be so cruel to people and say that but at the same time it's like for me personally and i don't know how you i, I really want to know how you feel about this because obviously you like this romance and i don't know what that what you constitute as romance but when i watch when i see something like this i just feel a little patronized like someone's telling me, hey, you know, take this because it's probably the best thing you're going to get. Like, it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I see it on this one as because at first the the way they meet and interact, start their interaction is that he uh, has to go down to the sewing or like home economics club to use the sewing machine real quick. Mm hmm. And she, he discovers that she was in there uh, trying to make a cosplay outfit for a character she likes. And when she discovers that he can make cosplay, she kind of just forces on him like to make her a cosplay outfit. You know, in a way, like, because he can't, like, he's not good with dealing with people, so when someone just starts pestering and asking for things he just mm. the easiest way to resolve a conflict is just okay fine so he agrees and that's kind of how their thing starts is just she's a a client to make a costume like right. a cosplay outfit well if she did legitimately force it and it wasn't just like some ploy for the writer to make it seem as though something was falling into his lap right and he legitimately felt like put out by it like let's uh, just, he, let, yeah let's he take felt it extremely I... awkward and like sure that it was like he felt literally forced into it right like, so let's take it at, at face value just forcing him right let's say that that's really how he felt right i wonder if that's a, a healthy relationship and something worthy of being admired as a romance you See, know, and I like, think that it started, like, the place it starts versus the place it gets to is very different. 
you know, because it may start as that, but right. what happens is as they're shopping for materials, as they're looking for wigs, as they're doing different things like that, they start to form a friendship, you know? Yeah. And from then on, well, he just becomes her, like, he had discovered his love for co- making the cosplay outfits. Right. Which leads her to being like, well, can you make more for me? And then that continues the relationship of essentially friendship of like, well, yeah, I can keep making cosplay outfits because I enjoy them. Like, I enjoy making them. So, sure, I'll be essentially your exclusive cosplay maker. And it's not until about halfway through that they start, she starts having feelings for him after that whole train scene. Where she starts right, looking obviously at, she feel, yeah, because whenever she feels like, he "Hey, I like you," then like at that point, you automatically kind of like and, feel good about yourself. You're like, "Oh, I right. like that." And now yeah. she's, you know, she's not necessarily pursuing anything with him, but she—it's more one-sided. Like she now, in how should I put this? She feels different about the when the times they hang out because yeah. of the fact that she is feeling affection for him but there's not any how should I, like they're not really like oh yeah no this is being forced along or anything else it's more of it re redefines her feelings when they're going on sure you know to go look for cosplay outfits or just hanging out and for him, it, it, he starts slowly realizing, like, maybe I kind of like her. You know, maybe there's more to this. But where the anime ends, he still hasn't fully fallen for her yet. It's just more of a close friend. Right. So The thing about that, and let me let me put, you, put a little bit of pressure on you in this way. Yeah, sure. I think that... So as sociable as she is, as like really as, as easy it is for her to talk to people and to get along with people and, and as popular as she is, and you would think that, you know, it it's almost impossible. The likelihood that she hasn't been pursued or that someone ha- hasn't expressed those kind of feelings to her before in some kind of way uh, is very, very low. It's extremely low. <laughs> uh, they so, do show that she has been pursued. Yeah. Um, but typically they're turned off by the loving of anime and hentai games and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is um, also you know, hard to believe, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, if we're... <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, because, like, the, the major one they show, he was just kind of like a, a dude bro type of thing yeah like the the handsome like dude bro of like oh i see a hot chick let me go hit on her right and then he makes fun of like the keychain she has like of an anime character and she's just like what the fuck douche like she was actually blushing when he was first con like you know talking to her until he does that and then that was the turnaround so These she details potentially are very also interesting to me. Yeah, she potentially also has been in other relationships, considering up until that point she was blushing at the the prospects of him when he was hitting on yeah. her and stuff like that. She wasn't 
against it, like, yeah. until that line was reached of, like, well, yeah, I clearly have a keychain of the character because I love them. Like, why the fuck would you insult it? Yeah. Like, and that's yeah, yeah. what she pretty much says. Like, clearly I like the character. Why would you do that? You just ruined what you had going. Yeah. Yeah, so... I definitely. So, I mean, this is so interesting to me because, you know, I think reality is obvious. Is There's a lot to reality, to like life and experience that we don't, that like, it's different. Like my experience is different than yours, right? But there's a lot of shared stuff. So I'm trying to figure out where the line is. Like, like imagine you have Marin. Like, she's real, okay? I mean, it, very traditionally attractive by all by all means. And she's really into nerdy stuff, right? In the in the society that we live in, right? Um, right. What, what kind of um, difficulties does she have, I guess, specifically just romantically, but also just in socially in general? Like, what difficult... Like, obviously, you're in a really great spot. You can appreciate populist things right like nerdy stuff is actually pretty populist it's not really yeah weirdly enough now yeah it's well, like certain nerdy things yeah yeah but like anime is pretty populist now and like yeah as long she as probably also like would appreciate things of... like comic book movies and and video yeah. games too because they all kind of intersect like with that there's a certain level of obscurity that's kind of still like looked down on but as long as you know like oh look it's down on stream stuff I mean, I, I would say maybe they wouldn't understand it, but look down on like you're not gonna get bullied because you like, you know, visual novels. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. That, no, that's not real. No, no. You're not gonna get bullied, <laughs> but you're also gonna be like, oh well, they don't necessarily want to date you or something like that. Well, I mean, there's probably more to your personality than just that. You know, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like yeah, but yeah. if that's what you love and you want to talk about and share, and they don't give two fucks and don't want to actually listen to it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, see, that's you're right the other thing. That. Like if they don't care about it, but they're willing to listen like a, you know, a spouse that maybe doesn't watch anime, but if you wanted to talk about anime, they'd listen intently and be like, okay, yeah. just like you would listen intently to their, you know, hobby or something like you can actually share your hobbies. Even if you don't necessarily have the same hobbies or sure. even care about the other person's hobby. Whereas there's a lot of people out there that's like, no, I don't care. Like, don't talk to me about it. I really don't care. Or like, yeah, this is getting okay. You, you, you've, you've, uh, you've outstayed your welcome. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, they can yeah. only listen to it for so long. And I would see that would be more of the imagine because, uh, when she first starts talking about like the character she wanted to cosplay as to him, like she goes on for minutes and like quite a while like it's implied quite a long time yeah. about all of the scenes from the hentai game and what they meant and all of the subplots and she went through every path talking in detail about every scene in that game mm -hmm. so i would imagine most normal people if you just started doing that would be like okay we're done here mm -hmm. like if that was your just idea of hanging out was to talk about right you know, for an hour and a half, this hentai game. Yeah, and I will. Here's another like challenging uh, discussion too, because this is actually kind of fun. Like, I think this is the content that we need um, on the podcast. If I really, I'm very curious on what your your thoughts on this. So I think, and and tell me what, if you have a different experience. That most sociable people, I think that there's a certain 
there's a certain connection i would say between someone who has like a compulsive attitude toward pornography right let's just call it what it is um and antisocial uh, behaviors so it's like how like how sociable could she be while at the same time essentially being what you could say is like a compulsion or even an addiction to that you know like do you perhaps you know it is it doesn't seem like that would that doesn't ring true to me you know it, it seems like it, yeah. you, you 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 would have a very hard time conducting yourself in a healthy way with other well, people I mean, and... I don't think she necessarily cares about the porn aspects of the character. She, I mean, she talks more about the actual characters and stuff like that. Like, she's doing it for the plot, like, weirdly <laughs> enough. Like, yeah. Like, she's playing the porn games for the plot. Um, but, like, I don't know. I mean, every person's different. Like, can I say definitively that someone like Marin exists in the world? No. And I say definitively someone like Marin doesn't exist in the world. Also probably no. Yeah. Like I'm sure that in the like, billions I know this of dude, people, someone definitely like, looks someone like... exists that's like this. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I I see it as it's just an anime. Like they're trying to tell a relationship story between two kind of awkward people just awkward in different ways. Right. You know, that she's more awkward in an outgoing way, but not, you know, and doesn't know quite what to do with her feelings with him. But, and then he's more of an awkward way of never really talking to people, introverted, shy, and also doesn't fully realize his feelings for her at all at the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of like you're you just kind of slowly watch it or two awkward people fumble through a relationship is what it is. Like, it's very innocent. It's very just kind of heartwarming. I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be super deep other than some of the con, you know, stuff they do with. And even then, it doesn't go very deep. Right. With. You know, things of, like, I think it handles his introvertedness and stuff like that better than something like Comey can't communicate. Like, I think it tries a lot harder to be a little more realistic in that aspect. Right. Than some of those types of things. But at the end of the day, I mean, it is just a a lighthearted romance series that I think has a small amount of depth, but not... Like, it's not drilling for oil. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that. I, um, yeah, okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that, you know. And, yeah. Um, it, you know, it's it's a massively popular anime. It's beautifully animated. And, you know, I think that that's a recommendation that you've given in, to people, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's a recommendation if you're just looking for something lighthearted. You know, like a lighthearted romance. You're watching some stuff like a Kame Guy Kill or something, and you're like, you know what? I need a break from all of this. Like, let's just watch this. Yeah. 
Um, was it my favorite of the season? No. I, I will say it was not my favorite anime of the season, but I enjoyed it enough that I do recommend it to people if you're looking for a lighthearted series. Right. Okay. Well, thank you once again for sharing that. Uh, that's uh, my dress-up darling. The next one on my list is Ranking of Kings. So, Ranking of Kings, once again, I don't have notes, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of talk about the ideas of the show and, you know, what I what I like about it. One thing I'll have to say is I, I like I like this kind of show because all the characters have names that I can kind of easily remember, <laughs> like Boji and Kage and um, you know like those are the two main characters and it just they just come directly to mind because they're unique. They're and very certain, simple. <laughs> like there's yeah yeah. So I do really uh you know do really appreciate that. Basically, the the show, if I can narrow it down, and there's a lot of things that happen in the show. Honestly, I don't think, to me personally, and the way that I'm going to do this review and, and most reviews, it's just my style, is that it, um, the, it's about what the show is kind of about. It's not about the specifics, especially this show where it's, you know, this happens and then this happens. And then, like, you know, all these different things happen that don't really seem to matter too much in, in and of themselves other than what they're trying to say about the, the world and the story and the characters and whatnot. Um, you have this character named Moranjo, essentially, she, who's the antagonist. I would say she's definitely the antagonist. And by the end of the season, she's redeemed. She kills Boji's mother. She she kills lots of people, you know, like whole villages. And, and, uh, and she does this deal with the devil to bring Boji's fathers back from the death from the death by taking his like essentially his soul and resurrecting him into his own son's body and then <laughs> i mean just like i mean things like i was like wow that's this is really messed up and uh his son is like locked away in his pocket dimension inside of his own body and he's like being driven mad because he can't get out and he's like in a fetal position crying and it's like like dang <laughs> like come like. on like. <laughs> so this is this is the antagonist who we're dealing with someone who is it has has put a lot of suffering on a lot of people but she also has a story of suffering herself and this is a, a reoccurring theme that you'll see throughout the entire show that every single person has a sympathetic reason for doing whatever extreme thing that they do right that they all have equally extreme motives as they do Let's see, what was the way I'm looking? They're, the things that have happened to them, the circumstances and the reasons why, I guess the motives why they do things are as extreme as what they do them itself, their decisions and their ideologies. And Boji is this kind of kind-hearted character who is impossible to hate. You would The difference between him and I would say Mirai is that 
they start off very sympathetic with his character. Essentially, he is the son of two giants, right? So this is a fantasy, and giants are, they're powerful. They're the strongest beings in the entire world. Um, Boji's father, as a matter of fact, there was a period of his life where he was going around looking for someone to fight that was stronger than him and he couldn't find anyone because he was just he's the strongest person now he did find someone eventually and that led him to doing a deal with the devil to to uh take his he has two sons right to take boji's strength so when he was born his all of his strength all of his giant potential right was transferred to him and he became the definitive most strong person in the world right um and there's some if you guys are familiar with one punch man there's some kind of like one punch man suffering from success like i'm too powerful i don't have anything to fight for i think all that these philosophies also kind of tie into the whole platinum in thing that we need weakness we need to be able to lose we need to be able to lose everything in order for anything to have meaning you know, we have to feel like our devs are in some way are lost. The, the, only, the only true thing that we can lose is at, at stake for the things that we do to have meaning. And I feel like this, in a way, is also kind of portrayed in this in this show. So Boji is this, this what is the word? He can't, he's, he's blind, he's not blind, he's not blind, sorry. He's right. deaf and he's weak. And he can't speak he's like oh blah, blah. you know he's like <laughs> and no, it's really cute and funny how uh quite a few deaf people end up right right not to just because you don't they don't you can't hear, hear. The words right, and right stuff like that yeah so, and yeah fortunately they won't hear me so making fun of them so it like yeah <laughs> it, no, it at least is very accurate in that. right right but no he he's a very cute little character i mean he's actually a lot older than he looks but he's so small he's a, he's a little dwarf character who's also deaf and extremely weak he can't pick up he can only pick up a small little pebble you know he's very very weak and um and and the story is about him trying to become king and what it means to be king what it means to have influence over other people and they discuss a lot of different things like whether strength is influence fear is influence whether you know and and the the show definitely seems that it has a very strong priority over kindness empathy and forgiveness and that those are the kinds of influences that are the most important and i love these shows like platinum and this because these things I don't necessarily agree 100% with either of them. Like I can, I just I really appreciate the fact that they articulate their their statements in these ways and I just love engaging with these ideas, you know. So Boji is a very kind-hearted person and he always you know, like once there was a snake that was, you know, stepped on and cut up and and hurt and wounded and and he picks it up and he's like, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, and he takes it to his mother who has the ability to heal, you know, like, yeah, please heal the snake, you know, and, and the snake actually bites him and he's like, 
And then the, mo- the mother's like, ah, well, well, get away from Boche. He's like, no, heal the snake. He's hurt, you know? And, um, and uh, there's a bunch of other, you know, examples where he has no, he has very little ill will from anyone to anyone. And he wants the best for everyone. He's very innocent in that way, but he's also been ostracized and bullied and looked down upon and pushed around and beat up to the point of, you know, knocked unconscious and um, and humiliated, you know, because of his impediments. So these so that is the reason why he doesn't end up like Mirai in Platinum End, where he's just this self-insert character because he's been he's had such a rough life and he it's so difficult for him to do what he does that you actually have respect for him because he's the way that he is now i'm not sure how long this show is going to be able to keep that up um and actually that's something that i really want to see the show get into is to you know he he has pursued this path of of being the king right now what that means he tried to be the king of and by the way if you have any questions or if you want to like Press me on something. Let me know, because I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> kind of. I, I don't want it to feel like I'm just rambling like incessantly, but no, you're fine so far. He he's trying to be the king of hit of this kingdom, you know, like his his heritage, his family, like taking the king in that way. But by the end of the show, I believe he feels that. Well, I'll, I can start my own kingdom, and I and. And ultimately, what I think that's going to mean is that he has control over his own destiny and his fear of influence. He wants to create it and earn it himself. So I think that's what where the show is kind of going. And I just really uh, the, the the characters are so many different characters. Like his older half brother, um, I think it's half brother. Yeah, because yeah, they're both from his dida is his father and he has two different mothers his giant mother who dies and his new mother who is the he's a he's a human and is the son of his his human mother but he starts off with this very like voracious desire to become king through an iron fist and he wants to be like you know merit is the only thing that matters competency power strength is the only thing that matters right boji is not although he should be you know he's the next one in line to be king he he's like he's not fit so he wants to do whatever he can to put his brother in his place and the the individual interactions themselves don't matter like they have fights a few times and whatnot and uh, it turns out boji's very quick very fast on his feet he's like a snake he's impossible to hit and that that's because he trained with the snake um who he saved who in who ended up growing up into this giant hydra like a three-headed snake with one of its heads cut off that can speak it's very like a powerful enchanted snake and he turned out that by saving that snake he became an ally for him in the future who then trained him on how to dodge and how to be quick on his feet and and things like that and protect himself and and 
the best way that he can. So once again, while it's not important that necessarily he won the interaction between that one fight he had with his brother, it is important that that strength that he does have came from the relationships that he forged through his kindness with other beings, right? And that's kind of this reoccurring theme that the show keeps on 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 doing i am interested to see what will happen because so far every character is redeemable so like if you watch the show you're going to come to the conclusion that the um that everyone is redeemable right um so far the way that they portrayed it it feels very genuine because they have they write it so well like for instance even the devil that multiple people throughout the series have made a deal with, even the devil is redeemable. <laughs> even the That's devil is a little the... weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I don't know how I feel about like everyone like being redeemable versus like you know, while well, most people he will interact with are Yeah. Yeah, and this is definitely a exercise in thought for sure, because I think the show has a very it has the ability to to convince me that perhaps everyone is indeed redeemable. I think there's a certain go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that might be their goal as well with their thing is that you know to try and teach you like people are redeemable, you don't know you know what mm-hmm. they've lived through and stuff like that. Yeah. It is nice though that he does get rewarded for his kindness like it comes back later that's kind of a nice thing of you know teaching people like hey this you know kindness does come back to you but also gives in universe like a way for him to become stronger and things like that right right. through his character and not necessarily exactly through a weird power up which i exactly and I, i love the show feels like everything is really well earned. It's so well written. The characters are just so. You hate a lot of the characters. Every character, at one point in time, except for Boji, you hate. Every character. You know, I'm like, man, like, I just I hate that person's terrible. He, I feel so bad that this person is getting away with the things that they're doing. It just feel, makes you feel so bad. And then the show redeems them, you know? And then you feel like, I like this character. Like, I, I understand where they're coming from. They, they're just a person like I am. But th- that's something that's very scary very hard to contend with the idea that everyone is redeemable is is incredibly heavy and Moranjo being the person that she is um the the redemption that she had by the end of the, the season is pretty powerful and it it's controversial because a lot of people are like i i don't like Moranjo. like the um they redeemed boji's older brother and made gave him a sense of empathy with, his, with with Boji, so that he understands where Boji is, and he actually offers the kingship to Boji. Like, you know what, you deserve to be king, and I was, you know, wrong, and I've changed my ways. But then he also forgives Moranjo, and 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 asks for his hand, her hand in marriage, both perhaps because of of a love that he has based on the amount of time that he spent speaking to Maranju through a mirror. And it's a long story. I can't really go through it yeah. all that, but, but also because of like political reasons. So it's kind of a twofold thing, but the idea that 
redemption is so hard. And I was talking to someone actually on, on a Discord page because it, I was telling him because he he was like having a hard time coming to grips with Moranjo's redemption. And I, I I empathized with him, the person I was speaking with on on Discord, because I was like, the things that are most upsetting to me, like I can watch anything on a movie or a tv show or whatever anything like it doesn't matter any idea i can pretty much watch but the thing that hurts me like deeply more than pretty much anything is the idea that anyone is like redeemable those are some of the most controversial like hard for me to just sit through experiences because i can watch this person eviscerate someone else and just do these terrible things to someone who i know didn't deserve it and just completely just just be cruel and brutal and just absolutely horrific to this person right and just ruin their lives and just spread death and and pain and suffering to all these other people indiscriminately right but then i have to also come to grips with this person had all these things that happened to them that maybe shouldn't have happened and the idea that they could actually be like forgiven is yeah it's in it's hard. That's like the most hard thing in the world. <laughs> like, I still don't also necessarily agree with the fact that, how should I put this, that everyone really is redeemable. Like, at the end of the day, yes, you may have had some terrible things happen to you. But at the same time, what you've done is also super terrible you passed it on. And you just passed it on. Right. Like you like you're not really you can apologize for it and everything else, but you're still not like you can never make amends for that. So I don't know if you're really redeemable. Right. Well, the like, way you know, the, like with the show you know, Hitler, like it's like, well, yeah. yeah, you still did all this. Like you're yeah. not really redeemed. Well, the the show, so the show, and that's why it's it actually is a very extreme ideology because if you actually take it all the way, you have to be able to like be consistent with it. And it's very hard to come to grips with. I'm trying to actually meet the show on its level. Right. And let's just say that everyone is redeemable. It's like, okay, let's say I, I continue on and become this irredeemable person. Just, just completely atrocious, irredeemable person. Right. Because something that happened to me. Essentially, what you're asking for me to do is to forgive something irredeemable that happened to me so that way I don't pass that pain and suffering on to someone else. That's essentially what I think the show is basically saying, is that someone has to sacrifice themselves, allow themselves to be crucified on the, you know, the stake of of forgiveness in order to avoid becoming irredeemable themselves. That's pretty powerful, in my opinion. What do you think about that? I mean, it's nice that, you know, they're, like, because the problem is after they've already done other irredeemable things. Because it's like, well, you've already perpetuated, it's too late, you're, you are, in my opinion, already irredeemable on that one. Like, even if I'm watching the show, it's like, you are already irredeemable. Right. But... Well, because it's like, it's very here and now thing. It's like, listen, I don't know what yeah. happened in the past. It's right now. Which is like, okay, is that, 
okay, maybe it's fair because we only live for a short period of time, right? No matter, like, you could have a perfect life. You're only going to live about 80 years or whatever. So maybe what happens right now is the only thing that really matters. But, like, you know, so should we care about things that happen before our time and our experience or after our time and our experience is really what the question is. You know, that's what what it really is. And that's a a really deep moral question. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I... There's not going to be a perfect answer, <laughs> but yeah. personally, I think that if you've already, because you've already perpetuated the cycle still, you've already continued it. So someone being irredeemable, does that mean you shouldn't forgive them? I think you can forgive them, but I think that that doesn't redeem them. Just because you've forgiven them doesn't really redeem them. Like, they've still done irredeemable things to other people. And it also doesn't mean that everyone else that they've wronged would forgive them either. Yeah. You know, just because you might go, well, I forgive you for what you did to me, doesn't mean that the other hundreds of people that you've done something horrible to would suddenly go, well, I forgive you as well. Right. Like, you've already done something that now that, even if it's just one of those people, is going to continue on and use that as their tragic backstory to do something else horrible to someone else. Right. What what I'm really interested in seeing from the show is them discussing the idea of where evil comes from and can it, is it reasonable to believe that it can be abolished? Because I think if you want to go like, oh, people can't be, there is there circumstances where you can't be redeemed? Then I think you also have to believe that evil is a necessity because it exists and it turns people into like someone has to I, for, right there's but, always going to be a villain like there always yeah. has to be a villain right like, which is also a really powerful statement that's pretty extreme when you think about it it's like so so what does that mean you should do about it you know it's like you know <laughs> it's like yeah it, i mean there's not much you can do like that's yeah. at least in my opinion like there always has to be a villain there's always going to be evil out there and that's you know that's just how life is no granted i'm throwing that into an anime but right <laughs> well yeah and obviously you know the the truth that this anime is representing is you know is extrapolated from you know our real life but um but no now, I, I think that um i'm interested but, to see them challenge the idea like challenge their own ideas and like have them come to grips with even though someone can be forgiven and even redeemed that it may not it may not stop you from having to inflict what might be considered an irredeemable judgment or um punishment upon them you know what i'm trying to say it's like ultimately in order to stop that you have to kind of do the thing that they did to you to them <laughs> you know yeah. and you have to justify it so i think that i'm interested to see they kind of did touch upon it a little bit boji was willing to kill moranjo actually he didn't it didn't happen that way but he was willing to do it and he had a very he struggled with it a lot and it really pained him a lot but seeing that he was willing to do that 
didn't make me hate Boji. It didn't make me, you know, feel like, oh, he's gray now. He's He's been tainted. He's not innocent. Because he was given a, uh, a problem that is impossible to solve. And I, I respect that he did what he had to do, you know. And this show is has been has been compared to like game of thrones with everything those comparisons are so overwrought in my opinion but it has this air about it where the world and people are so complicated and things are so messy that you're allowed to feel a lot of pain and sorrow about what's transpired without ever having to take a side necessarily because the actions that people are inflicting on another on each other are based upon all these threads of you know of what's happened and transpired previously that are so complicated that you know you're not really expected to be able to untangle it and you have to kind of just understand the situation for what it is so yeah it's it's a really, really great show. I think you know, I kind of hit on most of the points. Uh, Kage is another character who's been kind of like this supportive character who's seen Boji um, as a strong individual for what he is because of what he's persevered as opposed to what he's able to do. And he himself is someone who has been redeemed. He comes from an, he's a, he's a shadow, Kage, who comes from this race of shadows that are all assassins. And they're assassins because this is this is also controversial. I don't think people understand how controversial this is. <laughs> they're, they're assassins because biologically they are they're really one could say they're really well suited for it. They they hide in, they can hide in shadows. They they can they can slip around, steal things. They're like rogues. Um, they can morph their bodies into weapons and things like that, and they've been kind of taught. I, I don't know. I, I can't really say that, but their their history is very tightly interwoven with thievery, ro- roguelike activity, violence, assassination. Doing things from, they're paid, you know, by other countries and whatnot. They're also right. looked down at, like they're 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 thought of as being very like dirty, filthy. You just get paid to do like our dirty work, race, essentially. Right, a race of assassins, and that's also very controversial because of a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, Kage is trying to become a new person, and he's kind of staked everything he has into Boji. Because he kind of sees himself like what he wants to be in Boji, you know, and also kind of what he is. Someone who's been looked down upon for different reasons, you know. Obviously, his hands have blood on them. He's stolen. He's done terrible things in his life um, because he was raised that way. His mother was raised that way. Mother was killed brutally and paraded around on like the stake on the back of a horse um, in front of Mm -hmm. him. And uh, I mean, just like this horrible horrible things you know happen to these people and it's like (laughs) it's like you know um yeah so i hope they go more into that um he kind of at the end of it he left boji and said you know 
I'm happy that you've become king and that you've achieved what you always desired to, but you don't have much of a use for me anymore. My utility has run out and I don't have a use for anyone anymore. Uh, I, I'm not an assassin who I used to be. I can't help you achieve your goals anymore. So I just need to find out who I am. And he left. But then Boji, at the very, very end, the very end of the of the series, the epi- last episode, it turns out that Boji revoked his own kingship to be with Kage. And he looked, he, ser- he went outside the kingdom and he searched for him and he reunited and he said, you know, this is year where I find my meaning and, you know, I want to start my own ki- uh, kingdom essentially, but from the ground up, you know, I want to expand my spirit, my sphere of influence. And, uh, and that's how the, the, the first season ends. So really powerful. It's so emotional. There's so much, you know, treachery, but there's so much love and, and all these like vast ideas in the show. And it's really a lot to chew on and contend with. So it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been kind of uh, called by a lot of people, the best show of the season. And I, I think they might be right. It's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely seen it getting like quite a few. Uh, I think it got some awards from, last year from Crunchyroll Mm -hmm. and definitely like people have been talking about it like that. And I think dress up darling and attack on Titan are the three that get talked about the most out of this season. Like those are kind of like the three major talking points Mm -hmm. of the season. Oh yeah. Big time. So yeah, I, um, I definitely, by the way, if it wasn't clear by (laughs) the, the uh the diatribe that i i kind of went on um that i like the show and i definitely recommend that you guys you guys check it out all right what's the next one you have on your list or or do i have do you have one on your list that you want to talk about i do have one more before we get to the ones we both watched Mm -hmm. um and that is in the land of lee dale which in case anyone didn't know is an isekai (laughs) All right, I, I'm gonna I have a soft this, spot you know that, for right? is- isekais. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if we're just talking about the mo- or the anime, it is not very deep. Okay, well then uh, I'll just I don't have any questions. Then. Like, yeah, because <laughs> I've started reading some of the manga, and that definitely goes a lot deeper. Uh, but I it, there's not much of it out in the U.S. right now. So I want to read the light novels, but I haven't yet. Because I figure those are going to go the deepest. Because while watching, I could see signs of certain things, but in the 12 episodes, they just kind of skim through a lot because it's just a 12-episode series. Are they uh, going to do a second season? Not as far as I can tell. Like, they left it open to where they could, but it definitely chose, like, an actual end point. So what's the show about? So the show about it is about a girl named... Okay, I guess her name was Kana, with a K <laughs> in the real world. And then her character name in the game was Kana, with a C. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know that in the game world her name's Kana, but I'm like, I'm sure she had a different name in the US. Or, like, in the real world. 
Uh, but yeah, she was a young girl that... Same thing. <laughs> at the beginning of the series, you just know that she was on life support in a hospital. And the power went out while she was playing a game. And she passed away. Presumably. Well, no, she did. She died. She did die. Uh, that how was. Does she, how does she know that? So that was confirmed by other characters later. In the game. Yeah. So, so how do they know that? F... So he... I'll, I'll get to it in a second. <laughs> in all honesty, because um, one of the big things is that yeah, she wakes up in the game world and it's been two hundred years. Like, it, the game world's 200 years later than when the actual game took place. And, like, the world has changed and evolved as if the game just kept going offline. Like, the world still kept continuing to exist. Um, so, like, the seven countries all became three countries through different wars and boundary disputes and kind of uh, treaties and stuff like that. But at the beginning, she pretty much is just trying to figure out what's going on. And there's a point where she finds out that, like, she believes she's the only player left. Because that's when she finds out that it's been 200 years and stuff like that. And she gets very depressed at that prospect of those people she used to play with and the people she knew like she will never see a familiar face ever again mm. and that does kind of uh lead her to a lot of depression and stuff like that which i f is glossed over in the anime because we only got 12 episodes like we need to get through this and i but i feel like it's probably deeper in the the actual light novel mm. because of the way they they treat it like she's i mean it takes weeks before she ever kind of starts to get over it and realize that she does have what she would consider family in the game because one of the features of the game when it was around was that you could adopt uh npcs and have them as your well the the anime says npcs uh the manga actually clarifies that it's other people's alternate accounts <laughs> like when they're not using their alternate account they can sell it essentially in the marketplace and you can adopt them so she has three children because now that the world's real those are her kids um and she determines that well since i have three kids like that's my family like i have someone here i can start new i don't know them really but i can learn about them and kind of start my life from here and that's also around the time we do realize that she was in the hospital and life support for years because uh she was in a car accident as a child and that lost her parents so the one escape she had was playing the game while she really couldn't move out of the hospital bed so what's the uh so what's the What's the hook? I It's mostly just normal isekai. You do find out that uh, some of the player characters are still alive. And that everyone ended up in the game at different times. 
so the game shut down after someone died while playing it, um, was what the boards had said, was because someone had died playing it, like, people had started associating the game with being the cause of the, the person's death, which we would assume would be Kana, and that's pretty much what everyone else assumes once they find out about her story, is that she was the person that died mm. while playing the game. And that eventually got the game shut down, and uh, some people ended up still in the game, but they woke up at different times. Uh, like, one woke up, out of the 200 years, he woke up 100 years into it. Another one woke up just 20 years ago, you know, and stuff like that. So she does at least meet some of them. And that's when they're trying to piece together exactly what's going on with that. and Why some of these other people that didn't die while playing the game are here. Because hmm. they're like, basically backup accounts that have like kind of gained sentience. Well, no, or... these ones actually, no, uh, the backup accounts are her children that have gained like, they're now as if they're real people. But there are actual players. Like, they're purely players in the game that somehow still are in their character. How are they playing the game if the game is shut down? So they're not playing it. Somehow they ended up in this world. And that's kind of one of the mysteries that the anime just doesn't go into because it ends before oh, that. gotcha. Okay. Um, so I'm hoping the light novels kind of... Because I'm like, I want to know how... Like, we understand why Kane is here. That's classic isekai right. of, she died, she's here now. But these other characters didn't die. Like, they just are now in their their player characters sometime after the shutdown. And it's at random times. So, like, it's one of the mysteries that I'm guessing that the light novel was setting up for. Would you say that this is, like, a mystery... But... A mystery anime? Is it? Is that like something that characterizes the show? I lightly, not not super major, but there is like you get bits and pieces of kind of what happened as it goes along. Like it definitely tries to not tell you the whole story right at the beginning and kind of have you piece together certain things. Is it episodic? Like, does is, is every episode a different like little? kind of story or yeah yeah it's, it's almost purely a, like some you might have like one or two two-parters and there's an overarching plot of her trying to figure out like what's going on now um she what's going on like with what was, what do you mean like how she ended up in this world how other like she was a, originally looking for other player characters to see if anyone else was still around so like what does she world? do in the meantime when she's not trying to find Questing. her purpose in the world <laughs> Well, it depends. Like, at the beginning, she's looking for uh, her children because she found out about their existence and was like, oh, yeah, I remember them. So like, the whole the children, now, I don't understand that. So, like, she literally has kids in the real world? and No, in this world, like the isekai world. So she, like... Because the isekai world was the video game. So when she made... Like, so it, in her video game it world... It just became real. She had, like, kids in the yeah, world. Yeah, she had... Three adopted accounts. Oh, adopted accounts, which yeah. are basically okay. Got you, kids. Yeah, it it is your kid. Like they're adopted, but they are your child. Got you. And all the account, um, all the accounts. I'm guessing are the adopted are the avatars for the adopted accounts. Do they look like kids, like children? 
Uh, no, they are... Uh, just other accounts, they, other people. At the time, were younger, and now they have aged 200 years. But they're all... Well, two of them are elves, so their lifespan's about 700 years anyway. Wait, wait, wait. So, so wait, they look about the 20s. So their lifespan's in this game? Uh, it's not a game anymore. It's the It's life. Like, it is a fantasy world now. So you can lose the game and die? Uh, you just die. Like, it's just life. Like, oh, gotcha. This is, this is the real world now. Gotcha. Like, for them. So it's not really a game. It's just... The game is just a reference, a framing for... The game... It's as if the game kept evolving after it was shut down. Like, if for some reason the game became sentient and continued on. Okay. So, like, one of the big things that pushes you to watch each episode is that you want to find out how they got there. Which is basically what all isekais are. Yeah, how they... Yeah, how they got there what the world really is because it is weird that a video game world suddenly became real and that there's other player characters you know and stuff Mm. like that and that didn't die while playing the game that are here now like they suddenly woke up in this world Mm. as well and not every one of them and it also depends on if they woke up earlier because if they woke up near the beginning well that was 200 years ago so they might have already died off I see. You know, because now you're living the lifespan of whatever race you were. So, Kana, the main character, is an elf, so she lives for about 700 years. Yeah. So she's fine. But other characters, if you were a human, your average lifespan's like 70, 80 years. Mm -hmm. So that's just... They might have been... Like, some of her friends and stuff probably would have died off already. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're kind of seeing what's going on with that. I personally just love, like, the world building. I love learning about, you know, the lore of the different areas. What is world building? Like, that's... Uh, so world building is, like, in full definition, or... Well, just what it means to you. Like, I love learning about the histories of the realms, how the magic works, how the different abilities and systems work. I see. I love learning about uh, just those types of things. Like any lore of the world, I love how like how power uses have been through years. Like how you can abuse them just in fun ways, you know, yeah. just by being creative. Um, things of that nature, I love. Mm-hmm. Like in this, for instance, some of the world building in this is the fact of there's the existence of skill masters. Which is what Kana is. And she was uh, one of the later skill masters. There's 12 of them, I believe it was. 12 or 13. And they were characters that, uh, when the game was a game, were the strongest players. And had done everything, reached level cap, and done all these extra quests to to become skill masters. Which means that you can now uh, grant skills, like a game master Mm. and you're also given access to a lot of administrative abilities and things of that nature which caused a lot of people to harass a lot of skill masters for uh, skills Mm. since they didn't want to learn them naturally and just wanted to the easy way out of getting buffed 
naturally it's like in a video game what's that you know (laughs) yeah well completing quests or random drops versus basically hey can i just ask you to give me this skill right that's that's why i really like the idea that there are such things as life hacks basically being able to jump be able to to attain certain things without doing it the long way because there's not a better way or a short way there's just the I'm sorry, there's not a better way or a long way? Yeah. Wait, wait, no, I'm sorry. There's not a, a right way or a wrong way. There's just a better way, a short way and a long way. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but continue. I was... But, but no, I... So it led the skill masters to creating towers, which is one of the driving points of the plot for her for... Well, the whole season for the most part is that she's looking for the other towers... Um, well, the, they, the towers each skill master are in the, the had, skill masters are in the towers. Uh, they're they don't normally stay there, but their representative is there. Each one has like an NPC. Ah, I see. At the time, that would award people a skill if you completed their challenge Got and it. completed their tower. So she's going to each one to see if anyone has like survived and has shown up. Because she can talk to the different NPCs there, or now they're different people, and see, like, hey, has anyone... Like, and that's where she found out one of them has passed on, Mm -hmm. and left her something specifically for her, and stuff like that. So, that's one of the driving things that, at the beginning, is to figure out, like, the different towers, and... uh, you kind of learn some of the different personalities of some of the leaders, like some of the other skill masters through, unfortunately, a lot of dialogue since they are kind of missing or dead. Who's the antagonist? Uh, there is none. There is no antagonist. What? <laughs> uh, the, the world just kind of is existing. Like, well, there's nothing... I mean, the antagonist is literally no just demon whatever, King. whoever is causing who has there is there is no one causing any major disruptions there's no conflict? To anything i mean there's bandits occasionally there's some monsters but like it's just the world's as is like in a fantasy world there's no demon king there's no nothing well, there's no, no overarching okay antagonist well, well you recognize that like uh, the world doesn't have to be a fantasy it doesn't have to be a fantasy or or it doesn't have to be real life for it to be for there to be conflict i mean it just conflict Wait, happens but naturally. the conflict is just okay well some beasts are attacking this village go kill it or uh-huh. you know there's bandits that are blocking the path on the road so essentially so everyone that she out. runs into like, is a friendly person who doesn't have any ideological or any sort of issues and there's like no real not really <laughs> like i mean she takes down one dude who was a player character but why uh because so he was killing people because he was like fuck this like i'm powerful and stuff like that and he was a dick in the game like a player killer so he was just still being a dick as a bandit leader well he, wait, he's a player killer but aren't you supposed to kill players in, in a fantasy game uh not all the time depends on the game like final fantasy 14 you don't just go around killing people like other players like it's typically frowned upon god. so this is like some like, wow i mean oh my god <laughs> i'm okay so so this is 
a world where it's a basically it's a world based on a cooperative game where there's no well I mean, it was an it, mmo like that's just how mmos are like you're not going against other player characters typically but yeah yeah the antagonist got it got it. so because i've played some right. mmos so you just team up and then you yeah. fight like the computer the, the beasts or whatever and you yeah. level up okay so here's a question i have for you if you can like if you could perceive the end how do you think based upon how the show is going so far that the show would end uh i would guess well again with the anime they didn't get very far before just calling it a day because the way the anime ends is that she just ends up saving this town and there was this little girl that was kind of orphaned there so she adopts her and then moves back to the town she first started in and settles there and that's it end of series so so she goes she goes along she she makes friends so she keeps on expanding her her and again i would figure that in the light novels which there's eight volume or eight light novels Mm -hmm. currently that they introduce at some point an antagonist or a bigger conflict i see uh because from what i can tell this does the entire anime doesn't even cover volume one Got it. Okay. Like, uh, the entire anime barely covers, I think, one or two of the manga volumes. So they never really got a chance to get to an antagonist, in all honesty. They pretty much just set up the world, like, had her start learning that other player characters exist. And then that was... That's it. Like, I see. Series over. I understand. So... I would figure that in the long game that they would have to introduce something like some kind of antagonistic force. Like I can't imagine that they don't at some point eight light novel volumes. Right. Um, I mean, but at honestly, least as far as the anime to. goes, I mean, it's they, not, it's not required. Um, I don't like, I mean, granted they could also use the whole fact of like how these characters or people ended up in this world as an antagonistic force as well. Like, what do you mean? You know, and that, uh, that maybe that there was a reason that she ended up dying during that, that the power outage wasn't entirely random, that there may be some kind of... But what if of, it was random? Like, would deity you, behind it Would you be it satisfied that is if it was not... random? I would, yeah. Okay, so they don't have to. Like, I yeah. wouldn't care, but at the same time, like, they could introduce that as an antagonistic force, that there was forces at will that, or at play, that caused the different events and stuff that they would have to go against at some point. Or at least deal with the fact that, you know, they were brought here for a purpose by something that, you know, something or someone for very you know for selfish reason reasons of that person or for maybe other different reasons like there's ways they can add antagonistic forces yeah. without necessarily being well like like oh this person's evil let's say you're playing an mmo like, right like i don't know like you're trying to go and beat this dragon right so like the dragon obviously only appears every once in a while or like okay you have to add an incentive so let's say if the dragon is always there, then there's no real incentive to ever to go there 
I mean, in a video game, there's incentive of loot drops, prizes, rewards, and stuff well, like well, that. Well, right, but oftentimes what happens, especially in, like, free-to-play games, is that there really is no incentive except to just grind indefinitely. Just to, like, literally waste your time, you know? Just because, like, eventually they adjust the power to where they'll... Like, once you hit the top, they'll just expand the top. So that way, it, you're always out chasing after something that you'll never get, right? There's no conclusion to it. There's no platinum end, <laughs> you know? I'm going to use that term forever, by the way. I don't know. I mean, like, most MMOs have, like, a, an ending point. Like, you know, whether they keep going for a time, but at some point, like, the MMO is over. Like, that's that's it. You know, and most of them have a storyline and a plot that you go along. Well, they're usually terrible. But uh, Final Fantasy fourteen would like to talk to you. <laughs> but I, I guess I haven't played that one. But... You've referenced that twice so far in this review, so I'm guessing I need to look into it. And it's it's, it's massively so popular, so I I probably should. There is a free trial uh, up to level sixty, or until you beat the base game. Whichever comes first. Or actually, no, base game and first expansion. So Yeah, you know, like, what I'm trying to illustrate is that, okay, all incentives, like, there's a certain amount of exclusivity that makes anything valuable. So, like, even though a player killer is kind of a dick, as you mentioned, you could have a person who, like, gets to an incentive or takes advantage of certain exclusive things, right, or certain resources first. Like, the, just just playing alongside other people, like, there's there's going to be conflict. Even if it's quote-unquote uh, cooperative. I mean, for a lot of cooperative games, like, you know, I'm playing like a first-person shooter, you're playing on a team, right? And it's like, you're always bottom frag, and like, you're getting carried all the time. Like, there's a certain degree of conflict between you and your, your friend, or you and the person on your team, because even though you're, you're winning, quote-unquote, as a team, you... That there's a team effort, but you there's also an individual effort, and your own individual efforts are being kind of like snuffed out or, or put into the background for the great the greater collective. And it oh, why am I talking about collectivism in Land <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, because even then, like she doesn't have groups that she goes around with. Like she doesn't have a party or anything. It's just her. It's lonely. Like she just yeah, she just wanders around. Like, any, like, yeah, okay, she has a friends list now that if she's in danger, which she never will be, or at least not that I can think of, like, she can call on them, yeah. but that's it. Like, she's, other than that, just on her own. Like, she doesn't bother with anything. Uh, she summons things when she needs to kill things. Like, she summons, like, a centaur or a giant pig. Are the action scenes kind of cool? Is this an action series? Is there a lot of action in it? There's not a lot of action, no. It's more about the world building, the lore, like, watching characters interact. Are the characters interesting? I I like them. I like the characters. I think they're fun. Like, you know, I, I don't know how else to describe them. They're fun. They're entertaining. I believe that they're decent, Why, decent human in beings. What, in, in what way like, are they entertaining? Uh, well, you have, like, Scargo, one of her adopted children, that she gives a 
like during when it was a game, she gave him the ability to use special effects. So he just constantly uses that to impress people. So he'll make like a field of roses appear behind him or different like actual special effects to try and attract women or to impress people. Like when he's trying to make himself look more like important, you'll see different things like, you know, appear behind him, like a shining ray of light to make himself look holy or something like that. So it's kind of like, He's comedic, and he's kind of got, like, a certain, um, he's, like, good, good nature, comedic. Oh, no. Oh, he's terrible, like, natured. He's just comedic, and... Like, so, in what way is he terrible? (laughs) Uh, he basically thinks everything else is shit except his mother and his family? Like, his his siblings and his mother? So he treats people Beyond that, but he is the, uh, the high priest of that that country so he's because he just puts on a has show a very like, strong preference for his family and thinks that everyone else is less than him correct so and, and he's not an antagonist no no he's <laughs> he's not an antagonist at all <laughs> like wow like i don't even know what he's just he's just uh for lack of a better words, like more comedic foil than anything. So all this is, so all these things, while I guess they're true, they're only true to the point where it's funny and no, no more than that. So like he wouldn't do something. He wouldn't like say like, Oh, I don't like, I mean, he, yeah, but, he, he's not going to ruin his position necessarily. Cause he likes the high powered position. But he also well, right. but what I'm doesn't trying to say is that plan, like within like, the way he operates within the story, he'll never he'll never do anything or say anything or be the character that he is to the detriment of anyone else. Like the moment that it could be end up being a conflict, it just won't happen. But whenever it, he could do that th- those things and it's trivial and funny, then it will probably happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I again, he's not an antagonist. They don't treat him as such. Cause I'm like that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, but it's but, uh, used for yeah. comedy. Yeah. But okay. like even the main character, I mean, she's just a nice person that is finally experiencing things like eating for the first time since in about eight or nine years. Because while she was in the hospital, she just had an IV, like for food and Got sustenance. It. So I guess it's probably just so, enjoyable just watching people be very enamored and very uh excited about what would be considered mundane things yeah like she's just happy to have a quiet life you know and find people that she can kind of spend some time with and you know like real have a real life because again her life would for lack of a better word was taken from her when she was forced to spend the last like seven years in a hospital bed, is after, everything okay, while Scott? Also are you, are you the loss of her family. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice to just to just see her have like a moment where, yeah. you know, some time where she can just experience life and like the joy that she has for it. It's just kind of infectious to me. Yeah. You know, it's just nice watching her have a nice time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You know, when you have a shitty life, 
like hers. It's like you want to see her just be like, yeah, no, I, it's okay. Just have some time. Like, you know, I enjoy this new life that was given to you and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think there's some there's something, you know, I, I'm just trying to, like, find some meaning in it. Yeah. I, I definitely think that Unfortunately, there is. the one series, Isekai, that had more of an actual conflict was screwed up in its anime adaptation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so <laughs> I would have actually been talking about that because I had a ton to mention about that manga because that one actually had a real like conflict and tried going deeper in some things, but nope. The yeah. anime is just like, we're going to turn that all into fluff. <laughs> no, and I, I definitely, but... uh, I definitely appreciate that. Like there's a certain, um, desire to see like the elevation of the mundane quote unquote um i was actually reading a uh i didn't actually finish it but there was i was reading a journal uh where there was an essay about um how ghibli like you know elevates the mundane and um it qualified of course what that meant and everything like that but you know i've always been I, I do like I watch Slow Loop and I think Slow Loop is very mundane. I think Slow Loop is in a lot of ways kind of like what the land of Lee Dale could be. But I think that it definitely handles its uh it, it it handles like there is actually pathos in there. You know, I don't think that you have to remove all pathos to be like comfortable and wholesome and fun and lighthearted. You know what I say? Because yeah, it's like and I'm looking forward to talking about Solo because to your point, like it it was a really calm series, but also had more going on there. Right, right. No, I, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan and like some episodes honestly, like I kinda just put on in the background, you know? <laughs> like I don't really to be yeah. honest, pay a lot of attention to it because I don't really feel like there's anything that I need to be that paying that much attention to but at other times i'll like i'll turn my head and go, oh okay what's what's going on here and I'll, I'll pay more attention to it even if it's not like deep or whatever i i do feel like the people are real the people i feel like the people are are deep and and whatnot so do you want to uh to go into the what we are watching uh we can if you're okay with that let me see here i could talk about i'm trying I'm, I'm really trying to like should I regulate regulate my time here and like? I mean, feel free to talk about what you want to talk about, man. Like, <laughs> you watch these anime, like you know. Right. Well, you know, Attack on Titan. Let me. So, did you have anything else that you wanted to say about Line of Liedel? No, I mean, if you like Isekai and are just looking for something lighthearted, it's really fun. Like, it was the one anime out of here other than Demon Slayer that I actually watched weekly. Just because it was kind of fun to watch. Like, it never felt like a chore. It mm -hmm. never felt like, oh, here's the slow episode or yeah. the slow parts. Like, it was just always kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But again, I love Isekai. <laughs> I should probably stress that point. Like, yeah. Isekai is my junk food. It's my comfort. And I love hey, it. Hey, no, honestly, <laughs> honestly, no, I think that's a, a, a very, um, it's a good thing. Like, uh, to be able to, like, appreciate something that's slow and that's not, like, so dynamic and, and exciting, you know, traditionally exciting, I guess. Like, to be excited about that means that you're probably a very level-headed and well-regulated person. So, because I, I have to, like, I have to have something that's, 
far more stimulating to get me above the line, you know? <laughs> so that's probably bad, you know, for on, on my part. But anyway. I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> but Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2. Um, honestly, so we did talk about the news a little bit earlier today. Well, earlier in this podcast. Yeah. Early in the podcast. Part three. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have like, what, three freaking parts of this podcast? Um, Or four. I don't know. But I have like four going on five hours. It's just an homage to Attack on Titan final season being split up into three parts. Our episode for the finals of the season are split into three parts. Maybe. I mean, it's going to be like a five hour podcast (laughs) (laughs) um okay so what is there to say about this show good bad and and ugly so the show i think does a good job with its politics kind of just like you know it's this sort of situation where everyone is got blood on their hands because of the messiness of life and what it means to protect yourself your family your city your state your country the people who you identify with essentially your nation if you will and what it means to be other you know and and like these ideas it kind of grapples with them and how messy that is and how difficult war is on a personal level and on a grand scale and the so it does it does that pretty well um i won't go into all the details because it's such a long show and you gotta just watch it you know it's we're on the fourth season so just watch the show (laughs) although obviously that because we're on the fourth season that might be even more of a task than i you've made that sound it can be pretty rough (laughs) like Yeah, I mean, I think it's over 80 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it it is, which is still pretty small in comparison to many shows, Uh, 80, 90, 100 episodes. You know, like we're in, you know, Roroni Kenshin, Fullmetal Alchemist, Monster territory. Yeah, it's one of the, I would say, middle of the road, like not the longest series, but definitely there's a pretty heavy time investment. Right, and there's not really any filler in the show, so that's good. I, shows that are so long that they require filler, like that's when I, I know you just you you outstayed your welcome. <laughs> in my opinion, yeah. Well, sometimes too, it depends on the way they the company wants to do their series, because stuff with like Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, they want to keep their time slot, which is why they throw filler in instead of doing it. Mm-hmm like Attack on Titan or My Hero Academia, where they don't necessarily care, so they just keep doing it season by season. Like, whenever season the next season's ready, pop yeah. it out. Right, because we're going to have to wait until 2023 for another season to come out. Right. So it's like, that's, you know, I can see how that, for people who want more Attack on Titan content, you know, they're going to be missing out on that. And there's, of course, pros and cons to that as far as, the viewer and and according to the 
the creators, you know, they're not going to be able to profit on the show, which means less profit means they're not going to be able to, you know, put as much of that into the show, which could affect the show and whatnot. But anyway, yeah, so the, the, the negative part about this is I still am not sold on the idea that, and we talked about this on like two episodes ago, I believe it was, we, we talked about how Attack on Titan basically turned Aaron retroactively into the villain. There's some mm-hmm. Tamiwami stuff that happened, and he essentially he essentially put all the events into motion that resulted in his own life, his own suffering, his own everything before he was even conceived. Yeah. And that turned him into some sort of dictator, monster, you know, irredeemable person who's going to destroy the entire world except for his own nation, his own people, his own family, if you will. And I think that it's completely and utterly ridiculous. I I can't get over that. It's so stupid. It was. Uh, it's a very weird decision. <laughs> like from a story <laughs> standpoint, to be like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna have him kind of set into motion everything and become like basically become the villain right well this is the thing i i'm trying to reason through this i i no longer am able to view him as a person because he is essentially omnipotent in a way kind of He's able to perceive time non-laterally, and he exists before, in a way, he was born. So the things that happened to him that informed his decisions are like there. So it's a it's a time paradox. Like he basically like so there has to be an Aaron that exists outside of the Aaron like a second Aaron because he went back in time, right? Like in yeah. some sort of temporal method, right? Like in his mind or, or whatever, he was able to perceive all the events of his life before he lived them and then choose. Yes, this is how I want my life to go. And so he's fully complicit in everything that's happened in his entire life. And no one is complicit, which means that there's no stakes for him. There's no, he, he, for all intents and purposes, isn't even a real person. He doesn't have any of the of the uncertainties that make us all human and vulnerable and and inform our decisions. So I, I, I can't really say that he's good or bad or anything. He's not even a real person. He's just like the, the writer of the story. He's some sort of fourth wall <laughs> character. Yeah. And... And therefore, people are having all these discussions about whether Aaron's are good or bad. I just can't help but laugh and be like, well, he isn't good or bad. I mean, is the writer good or bad? Like, are you good or bad? Like, looking, you know, talking meta about the show. He has as much to do with the story as you do. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, it's really weird because to your point, 
Like, he now exists before he was born. He set into motion his whole thing. Like, his life. Which also, why did he choose to do the things he did? Right, yeah, exactly. You know, like, okay, it makes so no sense. you're like, it's, it's I'm gonna... Like, I want my mother to die. Okay? But why? Like, I know that it, without it, technically, you never would have gone down the path to gain these powers. To then do but it. Then what's also the point of going back in time, then? Because... You have to be on this certain path sure. in order to even have the powers to go the back in time really that to try would and have do any is, of this. Exactly. And the question that I think that he would have that he that isn't being asked, because the question isn't about like of the of the show isn't about it's more about kind of like, is it morally right to do X, Y, or Z? Is essentially like basically what the show is actually about. But what the question he actually should be asking is should I exist? And and if I do exist and this is the only route and method in which I'm able to exist. Should I exist? Because it's like, okay, I can exist and become Hitler, right? Or I can just not exist at all. And by the way, as I'm becoming Hitler, my life will be suffering. I'll die an early death and I'll never find an ounce of happiness in my life. Except I guess maybe at the end, if he does succeed in his goals, maybe he'll feel like, well, at least I, mean, I did this extreme thing. I did something massively horrendous but at least i felt like i had a, an iota of meaning and now that i'm dying i feel like i'm leaving something behind for the people that i interacted with you know my my people yeah so if that's the kind of happiness that he wants and he thinks that it's worth existing then that, that's a question that the show should be asking not using him as like some kind of vehicle to like talk about nationalism or whatever because it's like he he doesn't he's not even hitler didn't have that option <laughs> well yeah like you know like he didn't choose to, to we don't born. know if hitler would have gone back and been like oh yeah if i could literally go back in time and affect everything would i yeah. still put myself down this path and then commit suicide or, or whatever happened yeah uh, yeah like would i like, choose to do that yeah it's like I don't know, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. Like, yeah. But at the same time, like, you're clearly telling us that, oh, Aaron chose this. Like, the, he, yeah, he chose exactly. this exact... He had a chance to change this path, but said, no, this is the one. Like, out of all the different paths, this is the one I want, right yeah. here. Like, this one that, <laughs> like, basically ends good for no one. That's the one I want. Right. And I guess the, right. the, the only other alternative would be what that – because basically this is how I understand it, right? In order for him to have a choice on how uh, – in order for him to have a choice, to him to make this choice, he would have had to do the precise things that he did through his life to be able to make the choice, which basically is a paradox. It means that – his life is inevitable. Like this, this is yeah, the only. Even if he tried to change anything, that would make it to where he never went back in time because he never would have had the ability to go back in time. Right. The only existence that he could have is the one that he has now, which is the truth for everybody. You know, like there's a there's a definitely an argument for determinism or pre you know like predeterminism, like the idea right. that everything will happen the way that it will happen. We just can't perceive it at the speed at which it happens so therefore to our own perception it's random 
you know but if we could like see every single event that happened prior to our existence up till now and then be able to compute all of those variables that we could actually know how everything will end you know which is impossible therefore even if determinism is real it doesn't mean that it might as well not be basically <laughs> yeah. um so in this situation yeah it's just it's it's just no most people aren't thinking about it from that perspective but i can't i can't do the mental gymnastics necessary to make myself believe that unironically aaron is a free moral agent that has like the same kinds of stakes that everyone else has and therefore there's there's like a a statement or like a, a moral to this story because it's like okay he represents basically like this like very like this nationalist extremist kind of ideology that the only way to be sure that you and yours will be safe is to preemptively nullify all potential opposition but then so okay so like that's i mean let's, let's take all the morals out of it let's just say that that's one side not good or bad right and then you have the other side which is like we can't do that no matter what and we have to do what's best for the collective what's best for everybody everyone has a moral imperative to do what's best for everyone at any given time right well one of those sides isn't like some omnipotent like weird paradox <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like i can't have a discussion about this <laughs> see that's the whole thing like because even then like, they're kind of taking this whole, or part of that concept from Code Geass. Yeah. With him, like, becoming the villain and stuff like that. But Code Geass had a point to a lot of that. Yeah. And Code Geass also didn't have him literally going back in time and making this decision and things like that. Like, I'm pretty sure Lelouch in Code Geass would have changed things had he known like had the ability to right right he was like there's a lot the whole time. he literally yeah. regretted and would love to have like if it meant a certain other person would have lived he would have changed his past yeah you know but at the same time like they they took something from kogias but it's like no it's it's literally like you gave the character a chance that the other one never had which it's, is what made it work yeah like yeah yeah it made it work because he never had a chance to change anything you have it like your character you gave a chance to and we're like nope he figured this is the right path period well, and even then well, well right it's did he ha you know he's not a person it's like well, okay so he had a choice but he also did it like yeah like because then he would have become more of a paradox Right, like, exactly, like, so the fact that he has a choice in his existence, like, you could just argue that, okay, well, everyone has a choice in their existence, like, and, and that, you know, everyone's a paradox, and that, you know, it doesn't make any of a diff any bit of difference, but it's like, okay, but the, it's, it's, this, it's just that at the time that they mentioned it to us, we had gone through our entire the entire series thinking that 
everything was happening at face value. And the thing is, like, the whole paradox, it just, it, it, it begs questions that the show, that just distracts. Like, I don't have a problem talking about existence and what it means to have, like, like, authority in your own life and be a free moral agent or whatever. Like, that's completely interesting to me. But it's such a a distraction from the show, you know, because it's like, that's not what the show is about. It's, uh, there's no way that I can reconcile that and the other things. Well, the I show. don't think the show's going to try and even like make it work. Like and actually fully deal with a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Like it brings up some questions, but it also, I don't think is going to deal with them the way that, it should for trying to bring up this stuff. Yeah. Like it kind of just haphazardly is like, Oh, by the way, like, yeah, it was just, you know, lazy. This happened. And it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Excuse me. They they could have made, they could have chosen to make him an antagonist. And that's the reason why I like, for instance, ranking of kinks, because you don't need, because I talked about this a little bit in the last time we talked about the, the show. Essentially, it just feels like really childish and really dumb. Like essentially, but at the same time, I get it. Because we kind of actually talked about this earlier in this podcast. Like the whole irredeemable thing. Like essentially, like where does evil come from? Basically, whoever does it first is evil, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and typically evil is quote-unquote the easy way out like it's the solution that would be the easiest one where it's like oh well i can reach this whereas the other path is a lot more suffering typically you know for multiple people Mm -hmm. but that's they're stronger by getting through that suffering and that's what makes them able to be you know justified or you know like the hero is yeah. they went through the path of more resistance. Right. But the fact Whereas that the show chose the to frame Aaron as as what would it be? As an antagonist, as the greater antagonist, I'll put it that way, right? They they show to they chose to frame it that way by essentially saying that he did it first. He punched first. Right? Yeah. And that's so like that's that's where the show lost me because it's like okay all this time and ultimately what you're basically just saying is is that it's just about who punches first like what are they going to do at the end of the show actually the um what is it the founding titan punched first you know like what what is the founding titan oh well the found even the founding titan was a victim right of what like you know because the founding titan Yamur or whatever, she was like slay enslaved and and then she was basically married to the king and the king yeah. fed her to her kids to like That give... was like a weird story backstory. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so the king how about him? Who where did he come from? They it just I feel like the show is just not ever going to really answer my question. You know, it's it's not... No, <laughs> I think the show worked better when it wasn't trying to do other things. 
when it was trying to just be like a story about nationalism and kind of like with some intrigue and stuff with the Titans versus like, oh, well, now let's start throwing in random crap. On the, well, this is the thing. I, I feel as though this, this everything up until the Tommy Wimey stuff was a natural progression. Right. But now they started throwing in things like that where it's like, oh, well. It was just one thing. It was just one thing. So far, I don't know if there's going to be more. Because <laughs> granted, I don't know the plot to Attack on Titan. I, I, so that is oh, you stopped so, uh, Attack on Titan at one point, huh? I stopped after like episode two or three, but... Like, uh, Did you but read yeah. the manga? Nope. Uh, I have friends that do, so I I was told things up to uh, early this season. Mm. Like, some of the stuff that happened early in this. You said you just liked it because of its similarities to Claymore, and you felt like it was copying Claymore. It co- it copied Claymore like with their twist, like their twist is straight out of Claymore. Okay. Like the whole uh, where Titans come from and things like that, and what the reality behind that is. Like they're a parasite. Yeah, and the fact of like it was another nation or whatever, kind of doing it to them, and like the whole shadow war type thing. Oh, I see. Okay. That was that's Claymore. Like that is that feels generic enough to be a lot of things, but because in Claymore there was monsters that would go around terrorizing people. And, right. Oh, the look, Yuma. The, it, the Yuma. Yeah, and it was like, oh, they're actually from a country that's waging war on them. Like pe- they turn people into it and then mm. send them out to attack. Which, I see. I. Like, that annoyed me that I'm like, okay. But it also still doesn't make sense. It didn't make a whole lot of sense when Claymore did it, and it still doesn't fully make a whole lot of sense. It's like, the other country doesn't even know they're at war. Like Yeah. How, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, like, they just, as far as they're concerned, these things just show up and we kill them. Right, so like, it's basically still in, like, the first, like, two seasons of Attack on Titan. It, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, where... One character death is about where I was, like, I was told things up to. Is it, uh, spoiler alert, Sasha? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That was as far as I was told things up to. Yeah. So. (sighs) Dear Sasha. Too bad. Yeah, because that's when the friend stopped stopped reading. Oh, he he got pissed. He's like, yeah. So he's like, all right. <laughs> oh, he he's well, a part I'm of the sure, screw the screw yeah, Gabby club, sh- huh? <laughs> I'm sure they also would not have been happy once the whole timey wimey thing got thrown in there. Oh boy. Like if it wasn't that part, it was gonna be that. Like that yeah. would have been like, all right, done. I tell you what though, um, I I do give it to I do hand it to anime that sometimes they can come back and. And, and patch up the show to where they're looking at everything. There's like more value in the show than there is negative parts. Like I don't like the Tommy Wami thing, and it, it it's gonna be a detractor to the show probably no matter what. But just like you know, Platinum End, I think that um, like maybe they can still like tie up their ideas with the bow and be like, hey, like this is basically the idea that we wanted to give you, even if they have to kind of telegraph it a little bit. Um, they can they can salvage it and it won't be pure. Tr- I mean, I'll I'll still be satisfied with with the ending, but it's just it, it's really frustrating because it's like 
you know, they were really like taking this into a real like a season four hit. Now you have like this straight up, it's a straight up war story about you know about these politics and whatnot. Okay, this is really good. And then they want to go back with the timey wine, like to the more fantasy stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, this is not the way. <laughs> no. It just so, seems like it got yeah. confused near the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like that he just didn't know quite what he was wanting to write. Yeah. It's gonna, like, what do you try? What do you want to say? Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing, but you know, it is what it is. And when the show does end, by the way, they're doing, we mentioned this, you know, earlier in the podcast they're doing a whole other season so 2023 will will be hitting the grind again and... yeah which apparently is the final season because in japan it is just called conclusion the conclusion so... yeah yeah so let's get on to the to the to the wow section what we are watching wow! so the first uh one that we have here is police in a pod hakozumi Koban Joshi no Gyakushu. So, I'll give you the opportunity to kind of, I guess, frame the discussion. Um, what uh, What did you think about the whole series overall after that uh, it's ended? So, I will say, having watched everything now, this was my favorite of the season. Oh, like, This nice. was my favorite anime of the season. It's Madhouse, or, uh, yeah, yeah, Madhouse is amazing. Yeah, it was Madhouse. Yeah. And... It was so good. Like, it. I loved... So, for anyone that doesn't know, it's about a rookie police officer, mostly, named Mai, or Kawai, as she's mostly called. <laughs> um, and her just day-to-day lives and struggle of working at a police pod, like a little police station. Uh, their local police stations are just pods. And... That's pretty much it. Like she works with Sergeant Fuji and as her partner, and he's much more it's experienced. Just, yeah, and it's just everyday the lives and struggles of a police officer yeah. in Japan. A female police and, officer. <laughs> yes, that is true. Of, yeah, specifically, which is, uh, which is important. Reason, the only reason to, why I mention that is because it comes up a lot. You know. Yeah, and it is important to why yeah. the even manga code female mangaka wrote the series and it's yes. based off of her real life experiences yeah in the um inside of that framework yeah. yeah yeah and i the thing i love about this series and what made it my favorite was how it can shift on a dime tone <laughs> and how yeah. it works like it actually works and feels believable and it also resonates with how just life as a police officer, I'm sure, would be that, yeah. you know, one minute you are joking around with someone and then the next you're having to hunt down a dangerous person, you know, like that. That's just it can shift on a dime like your day. Mm-hmm. But I also just love Kawhi. Like, I just love, like, when she's chasing a subject, it's like, please yeah. just stop running. <laughs> like, I don't even know why I'm still running. Yeah, yeah. And, like, people are just cheering her on, and she's like, please stop them. Like, yeah. just stop. Like, don't just cheer me on. Yeah. Like, I just want to stop running, but I'm just going to be embarrassed if I do. Like, I mean, I just, I love her thought process. And the fact that, like, for her, it's just a job. Yeah. Like, there's no, she didn't do this for 
upstanding moral reasons and this, you know, like, uh, like moral compass that she has in to enforce the rules. It's just yeah. because it's a job that pays like decently well and gives a decent retirement so she can have a stable living. Like that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I also loved, one of my favorite episodes of this series was when she s- responds to a police accident or a car accident. Oh, in that episode. yeah. Because I loved how they resolved a lot of that stuff. And I loved the dude talking to her in his speech about, like, yeah, you know, a normal person shouldn't... Like, it should affect a normal person if they see this type of stuff. Mm. And a normal person should never have to see this type of stuff. You know, a normal person should be angry at us for giving them a ticket because they haven't witness these things and i hope that they never do you know and that they still have that ability to just not care but also realize maybe that they should do something right like like there's a certain degree of of privilege that they have for being ignorant about the harshness of of, right. of and, what could happen if they continue he, their indiscretion yeah, yeah and he wishes that they would never face those consequences right but they will if they don't respond but at the same time it's like yeah that's a normal person you know yeah. i loved you know because Kawhi was having issues dealing with having seen the sight of a dead child that you know was on the street after that car accident whereas everyone else was still just life like normal yeah like i loved that episode but it was such a good series yeah like such a good series yeah no it's um you're right i i love the the versatility of the show that they have the ability to talk about the show or about life in all of its whimsy and all of its more harsher elements in the same breadth and still keep the ring of truth to it without feeling as though they're trying to play this game that I really hate a lot of, that a lot of TV shows and and movies do this game of comic relief as though Mm -hmm. real life and, and a certain, the harshness that comes along with it requires relief. Like, you know, or more in the framework of, entertainment like oh you know a lot of things you know a lot of shows dramas and whatnot they do they have a serious part and then it's oh time to like put in this arbitrary and somewhat obligatory comic part that it may be done well right but it's still there's a certain degree of like insincerity to it because it you everyone kind of has the complicit like they all know that it's there just because the drama which is the meat of the show needs to be chased, you know, by something that's a little bit more comforting. And I think that's just very insincere, in my opinion. Sometimes sometimes it's just uncomfortableness and nothing else. And that's just my worldview. Obviously, there's other ways to look at it. But so when I saw the show, how it how, how it handled its lighter and heavier elements everything felt like they all existed within the same 
the, the same pen, the same breath, without any conflict. And that's something that's really hard to do, in my opinion. Yeah, agree. Because, like, I mean, you have the fact of, you know, like, to go from a serious moment to comedy with just scenes like uh, during the final episode when they're when Kawhi is chasing down this dangerous criminal. And, like, she was so happy when uh, Minamoto, like, ran past her to get it. And it, this is a serious moment. And then it's just like, you know, Fuji's like, crap, you should have stopped him. And stuff. Mm. Because he then takes the dude out, like, behind the corner and starts beating the shit out of him. Okay, so... And it's like, it felt very... Like, it was comedic, <laughs> but it also felt natural. Like, it was just a... Yeah. Or, like, w- earlier on in the series, uh, they were all sh- trying to get to be first on the scene. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and it was because they wanted, like, the vacation time and stuff like that. Or things of that nature where it's like, you know, they're doing a serious scene and then you find out why. But that's also relatable, believable, but funny. And that's why I think it works. I tell you what, though, that last episode when when um, Minamoto was beating up on what was I mean, let's be kind of let's be honest here, a defenseless I mean, criminal, but he was like he wasn't putting up a fight or anything. He like had that. a knife. <laughs> well, he did, but I mean, like, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make like my. He also raped children. <laughs> well, well, right. Right. No, like, I'm not trying to necessarily... I'm not yeah. making a moral statement here. Like, trust me, I'm right. not. I, yeah. I'm not. Like, I'm not. Like, I'm... I mean, if you want my opinion on the, on the no. matter, it's like... I, you're fine. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, my opinion isn't necessarily terribly popular, but I don't think that he was wrong to do it. And the show also didn't frame him as being wrong to do it but i couldn't help but realize that that's probably kind of controversial <laughs> you know because yeah he because i was like well it was it was done very comedically and he's like so you know he had a knife because he was he was going to use it to threaten that girl right but it, yeah. he was not showing any intention on using it and he grabbed the guy by his collar and he literally dragged him into the alleyway at, then proceeded to beat him up he took him out and in, in, you know in handcuffs and he never like lashed out or he was running the whole time he never lashed out he was never on the offense the whole time you could argue that he could have and that maybe he you know by brandishing a weapon although not with the intent of attacking the officers that he was a threat that needed a certain amount of they had to protect themselves, you know, obviously. But that's 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 why it's so messy, and that's why, especially in the West, it's like really, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and you know? I think that's more of an issue in the West, like because I no, granted, I don't think either of us are experts on the police force in the West, <laughs> let alone Japan. Right. So, well, like all these presuppositions so. that basically come like I'm trying to look at it holistically. I mean, obviously you can't divorce like more specific localized history well, yeah. and whatnot from everything, but at the same time, if you go back far enough, you realize that we're all human beings and that the same things that we desire and want are the same. 
you know so while japan is different like the pre like obviously what is considered acceptable or not is based upon you know specific cultural you know things right so uh, it's not really a matter it's not like necessarily a statement of combination or a greel of the cultural elements that that say this is or is not a good thing it's not what i'm talking about i'm just saying that i found it very interesting that that is definitely something that does not align and that a lot of western viewers are going to be watching this and i'm just wondering like i wonder how that will how that will go you know like for instance we got into a conversation recently uh, on a large scale about whether will smith was right was right to slap chris rock based on something he said and here we have this situation so it's it's interesting how all these things are, are happening at the same time and i'm just really curious to see how people will react to it you know that's all yeah i mean and what i meant by the cultural difference just to clarify is that i don't think necessarily it's as controversial in japan to have the cop quote-unquote do that for comedic effect whereas in the u.s that would like an american show would never show the cop doing that kind of stuff unless they were trying to make it a serious moment right you know and be dramatic with it or try and tell like a certain thing with it like it just would not be a one-off joke well i i'm forced i'm forced to believe like actual police brutality (laughs) like (laughs) well well right this is the thing though it did actually happen and while it's for comedic effect you're also supposed to feel that it was valid in an unironic way that like he should have been beat up because of what he did you know what i'm saying so like right so it's not so you have to I, they they pick the target that it's like well he's a child molester like are you gonna feel bad for him like right right um of course <laughs> wow what, what do i want to say <laughs> Well, and, like, and like, I, I'm not saying necessarily that there's a right or wrong thing. It's more, like, how should I put it? Like, they purposely made, in order for the joke to work and for you to be okay with it, right. the choices they made was to have it be a person that was a child molester where you can go, yeah, he deserved it. Well, well right. Because obviously, you know, yeah, to give you an out, essentially. Right. To being okay with Wait, it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's messy. <laughs> it is, but that's that's how it is. Like they they wanted to purposely give you an out right, to be right, right. more like a moral out. Sure. To being like, yeah, that's okay. Well, because well, because he this is this. a show and not real life, and it's well, not yeah. being reported <laughs> by media with other with potentially polluting agents that might affect the way that things are framed right although you could argue that the this is a show and therefore the person who writes it writes it within their own framework which is a polluting agent but um but but because it's a show they're able to set the context and everything and you're able to understand the breadth of everything because the breadth of everything is what is happening is what has been presented it's there's no there's no there is nothing else um, so you're able to appreciate it from that standpoint. So, yeah, I, I get it and I recognize it. I, I don't think that 
people in the West take anime seriously enough to be like, oh, like, this isn't representing blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't think that they actually take it seriously enough. So I don't think we're actually going to see much of a discussion around it, really. But I just, when I was watching that, because I'm I'm very, like, genuine and, and, well, I try to be genuine and and sincere. So when I watched it, I legitimately thought about how people would affect, it would affect people. But I think a lot of people who may, may react to it in various ways might, even though it does go against some of their values, they may not feel that it is, It doesn't have. It, it's not real enough to affect them in a way that is tangible and 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 threatening. Essentially, you know, to <laughs> well that they would just take it as the comedic moment it's meant right. to be, and that the series isn't necessarily trying to say like well this comedy is also oftentimes and... gets backlash even though people do know what the role of comedy is so i'm not yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'm you know i'm i'm just trying to like parse through this as a you know legitimately and like be and take it at face value and sometimes i don't think you can take all these things at face value like i don't always think that every person reacts to something i don't think that people who react to things always do it sincerely you know or there's other things that are elements of their decisions to how they're going to react aside from what they're telling you so you know that's why i think uh where was i going with that that's why i think that you know even though it could be comedy. It could not be comedy. That doesn't, and it doesn't affect usually how people choose to react to things. That there, there's a bunch of different factors on why it might be. Many of which I, I, I'm not aware of, and I may never know. So I'm not gonna pretend like I know everything. But you know, nevertheless, I just saw that, and I, I kind of, I, I drew a comparison to the life and the community and the society that I live in, and I, and I thought like, okay. I wonder what other people in this sphere will think. <laughs> if, but there might not be a reaction. I might not be able to yeah. actually ever find that out unless I ask them. <laughs> so, which I, I might do, but I might not because I'm scared. <laughs> uh, one thing too was this was actually the I think the only thirteen episode. Um, series of the season i f- or at least that we were well that, that both of us were watching perhaps i feel as though maybe there was something else um i feel as though there was something else because you don't always see the 13 episode seasons like they're a little right more, right a little more rare um and i wasn't expecting it uh until because i think one thing that should be noted too is most of this series is very episode Mm -hmm. by episode like it's very episodic almost even more western episodic because each half of the episode a lot of times is completely different 
like they have like the titles for the episode is two things and sometimes a lot of times they have nothing to do with each mm-hmm. other they're just two separate episodes in one yeah, 23 minute think block. oh actually you know what shinmu the animation which is still actually uh continuing it, it's in the middle of its season it started kind of late has 13 episodes so i just wanted to, to mention that um oh. blade runner black lewis which started yeah. in january of 2022 which is a leftover from last season had 13 episodes um yeah because normally they are very like they're more rare normally you end up with 12 episode as kind of the right the standard unless it's going to continue on into the next season right interestingly enough both black lotus which started late and shinmu which is started which has started late as well both have 13 episodes but most of the shows that start around the same time um at the beginning of the season have 12 and they end at the same time so yeah like within a week or so of each other whereas uh police in a pod started at the same time as everything else but also had 13 episodes so it's the one thing that that doesn't align with that formula huh yeah the last three episodes actually are all just one plot line too yeah which is nice which was a nice way to end the season well it's great because since it splits all the episodes into like two episodes of basically a piece like two episodes per show or episode (laughs) it made it feel as though the episodes that were all one plot were like a movie <laughs> because it, it got you used to really like these did. little yeah it made it feel like oh like this is a big chunky story here you know like <laughs> yeah it was and it was kind of cool like yeah. it, it got you more invested mm-hmm. and that's time. also how we knew there was going to be 13 episodes when episode 12 just kind of leaves off and like for a cliffhanger and you're like mm-hmm. oh well clearly there must be another episode yep <laughs> So but yeah, very yeah. good series. I do highly recommend this one. Yeah, I, I was I was tiptoeing around that one uh, a lot, but no, it's a great show, and it's um, it just it's full. It, it's really vast. It's it. I think that's a great way to put it. It's just it's very vast, and it handles everything with an extraordinary amount of nuance and skill. So definitely worth it. Next up is Slow Loop. I'll let you start the, the discussion on this one, too, because I, I, I really like the way that you kind of led, led into the last one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Slow Loop is an interesting one. This one is a fishing manga, but it's also the story about a young girl who lost her father, and fishing was the one hobby they kind of shared together. It was his love, and he passed that along to her. Uh, specifically fly fishing, but we'll get more into that, I'm sure, later as we talk more about the series. And it deals a lot with her, especially at the beginning, dealing with the loss of her father and her newfound stepfather and uh, new stepsister. And kind of different things along that nature of uh, trying to share her hobby and what connected her with her father with her new uh, stepsister and kind of how that connection leads to them becoming friends and making a connection. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, uh, a way for her to con- still connect with her father, but also connect now with her new family through this love. 
and I found that a really touching story. Mm-hmm. But you know, so this is an interesting show. Like, I'll, I'll be, I'll just be straightforward as I can with this. I, I, I like this show, but the the kind of show that it is for me is just something to kind of like occupy my time as opposed to something that I pay a lot of attention to. Some of the things that I picked up from it, like the relationship between her and her father and the, and the girls between themselves and how fishing like takes place and like it fills holes in their lives from other things and stuff like that. While I recognize that it's there, I feel as though, I feel as though I've, I've recognized it and there's nothing really else to be said. Like there's nothing else that they could really do that would make me, that would give me more things to say about it than what I've already gleaned from the show. So in these past few episodes, I've been kind of watching it off and on, like not very kind of like non-committal. I'll be like looking at my phone and I'll look up and I'll, kind of see something that interests me and I'll be a little bit more into it. And then at other times I'll, I won't be. So I can't really like tell you from a plot standpoint, what happened in a lot of the last, especially the last few episodes. Um, because a lot of those parts are very trivial and they kind of just are used to, to kind of fill out the character's, or, or to be like a vehicle for some of the undercurrent and the the relationship drama, I guess, that goes on between them and uh, people who are here, people who are not, you know, things like of that nature. So basically, I know that was kind of like a long way of putting it, but I enjoy the show. I almost enjoy like the idea of the show more than I do, I guess, the show itself. Because there's so much of the show that I don't even really have to interact with to really get anything out of. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... How should I put this? Because the show I can compare it to the most would be Laid Back Camp for me. Mm-hmm. But I liked Laid Back Camp a lot more than this, even though this one technically has more going on in the background. As far as, like, with the whole relationship aspect and stuff like that. But I also... I don't know. It just felt like something was missing at times. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked the fact that it had something deeper kind of going on. And it touches on it a lot at the beginning. You know, especially, like, the first one or two episodes... And I do like that they talk about things like, you know, her best friend and how she felt like she hadn't really helped her out after her father died. But, you know, she kind of did in ways, you know, by mentioning... The best friend felt really bad about accidentally mentioning that her mother was going to get remarried when she didn't know about it at the time. And she finds out later that it's like well because you accidentally told me that my mom was actually planning to say no to him but we and her talked it out and i'd like to see her be happy you know because she hasn't smiled since my father passed and stuff and that ended up leading to her getting this sister that now is making a brighter spot in her life and helping her kind of get over 
the death of her father and the tragedy with that. You know, and it's things like that that I like that they put in there. But I feel like when it's not doing that thing, it's a little too light. Yeah. On other stuff. And I think the big difference with it is, I know they fe- they feel like real characters in a way, like real people in some ways. And then I feel like when they're not dealing with the drama, they're not. Like, it's not a bad series. I still love Slow Loop, and I, you know, if you're looking for a relaxing series with just a little bit of extra stuff, like, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend Laid Back Camp a little bit more. Weirdly enough, um, despite it not having a subcontext or yeah stuff like that, just well, because, because it probably I feel does. like the characters were more fun. I feel like the character, like the there was more character-driven moments in Laidback Camp versus Slow Loop, where like it's just okay. Well, they're gonna go fish somewhere, and the interactions like, maybe right. The, the interactions between them sometimes are really good, and then other times it's just almost forced interactions of just like, oh, well, we're gonna do this. Oh, let's go. And yeah, like it's not, I wouldn't say bad writing, but it feels very much like they didn't put the same level of care when they're not dealing with the dramatic moments as, as they did when they are dealing with those dramatic moments. Mm hmm. And the dramatic moments are few and far between as the series goes on. Yeah, I think what you said, it also kind of, like, maybe if I can, and you can tell me if this is how you feel, kind of recontextualize it. The show is comfortable enough to where when there's nothing actively, like, engaging, a.k.a. like the drama or the subtext or whatever that might be, that... It's comfortable enough for me to entertain. So they're doing things, whatever. They're they're joking around. They're being silly. They're being, you know, whatever. I don't mind it being on in front of me on the screen. It's not like grading. It's like I, I'm I'm watching it. It's comfortable. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's it's whatever. If it's if I get a little bit uninterested, I'll just look away briefly. And it doesn't really bother me that much. I don't, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. It's not like engaging enough to where it sucks me in. But then the story is frustrating, like Attack on Titan. Like Attack on Titan is engaging, but then it it so it has my attention. But then something that comes comes up that's frustrating, and now I'm like, oh, I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know, like oh, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't like this. Or Platinum End, it's engaging. You know, it sucks my attention in. So now I'm I'm like on alert. I'm paying attention. But now there's all these elements in it that like are frustrating to me, right? So the show isn't engaging enough to, for the stakes of me having it, my attention invested in it to be disappointed, right? Like there's the state. There's there are it. If that makes sense. Um, But then when there is a little bit of drama, it's enjoyable enough for me to pay attention, invest some of my time in. So it's just kind of like a low effort series that doesn't have a lot of stakes for getting into. And while I can't not recommend it, 
just kind of like my overall personality like i don't really like i only watch a show just because it's kind of like i watch a bunch of shows with my brother usually on thursdays or on sundays and we usually watch um slow loop last because it's just like a good way to kind of there's a bunch of excitement throughout the rest of the shows and that's just a good way to end it but so like that that for me it works out pretty well for me but i i wouldn't personally recommend it because you know i i guess if you want to like with the caveat that maybe you just want to waste time i'm i'm usually someone who feels like there needs to be a really good reason why i'm watching something so while some people maybe watch more and, and most of their content that they watch is kind of like this what they would consider cute fun wholesome laid back silly calm like content um and i don't mind engaging with that from time to time i i would never really recommend it because you know unless you're just wanting to waste your time <laughs> you know i don't know it's hard for me to, to explain that but i feel like maybe if you listen to what i'm saying you might be able to kind of discern what it is that i mean yeah, it it's very much just the best way I could put it is like a relaxing series. Like there's no stress with it. There's no like if you just it's like the Animal Crossing of anime. Like that's what this genre type of it kind of is. Like laid back camps the same way. Like there's no conflict. There's no. It's just a relaxing time. So if that's what you're looking for, like you've had a stressful day or something and you just kind of want to watch something that's not going to rile you up, it's not going to, like it's just going to be relaxing, then yeah, Slow Loop's nice. It technically is a sports series. Um, it is considered one because it is a fishing series. And that is fishing. Like, I mean, that the fishing is pretty much just sitting around. And you learn a lot about fishing while watching it, Slow Loop. That is something that I do I do enjoy and that does attract my attention in a more like astute way than um Yeah. Yeah, like, like it's like, oh like I'm I'm actually like my brain is like fired up a little bit. Like this is interesting. I'm, I'm like paying attention, I'm like I'm learning things. So Yeah, I like do... you actually technically learn. <laughs> like Yeah. You know That's always nice. Fishing. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely one of the harder recommendations. Unless I know someone like if you like something like Laid Back Camp, then check out Slow Loop. If you don't, you know those white noise apps. Just, what I recommend you guys yeah. do is just download that on your phone and then just turn on the the babbling brook or the the creek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, and just say you watch Slow Loop and you'll be good. You know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it definitely was probably it was actually my last one of the season that i caught up on yeah same same here i watched but, it uh, on sunday well, well well today today's monday so i watched it yesterday um yeah the the fourth <laughs> yeah because so. i watched it i think thursday night before and i'm like it's not bad but it's definitely it was not fully what i expected i expected very much laid back camp just with fishing yeah and it didn't fully deliver that to me. I, I if I could say what I would like to see the show 
like go from here if it, it gets a, a sequel and i and i hope that it does um if it if it falls in line with the criteria that i like to see the drama come to some kind of crescendo to where the drama comes to a point to a head and there's a really like great scene where they're they're fishing together and it's just like iconic you know but it also comes at the point where the drama comes to a head and is resolved and in a very poignant and kind of uplifting way that would be really great to see yeah but i it potentially could like the manga is still ongoing like it's not over yet and it's only six volumes in, so that probably the twelve episodes is probably pretty close to, you know, to like halfway or so of that series. Mm-hmm. So if they do a season two, it very well could have or deal more with that, you know, because there would be more content to kind of go over. Mm-hmm. And I agree that would be nice though, like to have the conflict, like. If it just ends with that and it's just resolved completely as is right now, I feel like that's a little too quick. I mean, I know that the series takes place over months, but I feel like that's a little too quick to just kind of get over the death of a family member and adapting to now having a new father and a new sister and stuff like that. Right. You know, like... Yeah, and obviously, it doesn't have to be, like... like, So, uh, I'm trying to think about how I want to put this. Like, obviously, getting over that kind of thing is never something that anyone ever fully does. Time just nullifies it and nullifies it and nullifies it, and then it continues to do that as time goes on, right? So it's more of like an in-progress thing. So it's not so much about – the resolution is kind of like more of like a revelation, if you will, that it's some it's a something, something to the point where the character is able to realize the trajectory her life is headed in and – come to grips with that um as opposed to yeah i i think a good example of what you're trying like what you're kind of saying with that is a great anime it's called a place farther than the universe and a lot of the series is about a girl trying to find or find closure after her mother went missing on a research expedition in antarctica Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the ending is just her getting that one bit of closure you know yeah and it's like i want i wouldn't mind that for slow loop like that one moment of realization right right you know that she's just fishing and then you have that moment of realization and she might just break down but you know the other girl just comes and starts fishing next to her yeah and they just kind of slowly just start talking about you know the past and about each of their parents because the other girl has also lost her mother and her little brother right and then they both come to 
you know, kind of a realization that it's like, yeah, we, you know, may have lost these things, but look what we've gained. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we have a support with each other. Like, that would be a great touching moment. And I feel like that would fit perfectly with Slow Loop. And I feel like that would give resolution to the issue of of it. You know, that right. they realize it's not going to go away fully, but this is the closure we need and that we're both here for each other to like, kind I would, of help each other I would through. love to see, like, so, like, I'm a very a visual kind of symbolic person. And it'd be kind of cool to see she... Maybe she like casts, you know, the fly, and they're having this discussion, and like you see the, the like the the reel like going in and 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 when she gets to like this revelations conclusion, like I don't know what she will say precisely, but you hear a click, and then it comes to the end of the reel, and then it yeah. ends, like something like that, you know, like that would be really really cool you know uh um, yeah there's a lot of ways they can do it and i think it would be great and i think that the team that did it could do something like that like they did i get the impression that they could yeah like for sure like i feel like that team could do something along those lines i mean obviously there's more ways it's not confined to just well, that yeah but, but i mean like that everything but, comes together yeah. comes to a head like both visually the dialogue the drama right. the revelation it all comes to like this very harmonious, poetic ending that ties everything together. It'd be great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that one. Like, I I think that would be a strong resolution to the one bit of real conflict in the series. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to talk about Tribe Nine? Yeah, uh, I have some interesting things on this one. Okay, um, so, yeah. I'll let you start again, because you've been doing really good. <laughs> uh, so Tribe 9, very interesting anime from, what is it, the creator Danganronpa, or at least the character designer from Danganronpa. Mm. It's, it's from the same team. Okay, like, it it very much looks like it. And it's about a dystopian future, and that is, like, they, they eventually form tribes, like, I guess there was groups of teens and young adults and they'd battle it out as tribes. And then eventually the law was formed that you played extreme baseball or XB (laughs) and that all conflicts had to be resolved through XB. But it was also kind of like really violent (laughs) and stuff like that. Well, the game, the game allows for violence Right? Like, it's within yeah. the rules to be violent. There's certain extents Although, of violence. Like, because later when they change rules, like, the violence is allowed to increase a lot more. To the point there's actual death. <laughs> like, straight, you can just straight up start shooting other players. Yeah, I mean... It's... Whereas at first, it's like, you kind of still have to actually play <laughs> baseball. But if someone, like, gets injured or dies by actual, like, during the game, that's fine. But you still had to play, like, kind of baseball. Like, you couldn't just shoot someone. <laughs> yeah. Like, but if, just... you be- if you beat them to death while you hold the ball, you're fine. <laughs> like, but you have to be holding the baseball. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's it's really 
a weird concept and like the the field is the city like your your bases are different buildings in the city stuff like that it is extreme baseball i mean it's not it's so extreme that you can barely say that it's baseball i mean like there is a yeah, bat involved uh it's yeah, sometimes you, used for hitting pitcher, the ball <laughs> like yeah there is a ball involved or sometimes it's used for yeah I you mean, do still have to tag someone out with the ball well yeah you have to tag them out and it's almost encourage it's like football in a way because you want to you have to essentially tackle them with the ball like you get the yeah. ball and then you have to yeah, because even if you grab them, uh, you can punch it doesn't them. matter as, can, long as long as, you as you're holding the ball you in your hand. You have to hit them with the ball. Yeah. yeah, and you, but you have to hit them with the ball to knock them out. Like you can't just have the ball in one hand and hit them with the other. Well, sure. The out. goal, like, the goal is to, to touch them with them the ball. With so the ball. if it makes yeah. it easier for it to, like to knock them down, to trip them, to push them, to punch them. Yeah, you can do them, anything to hit them with the ball as long as you are holding the ball. Well, right. But what I'm trying to say is like there are times where you can like strike them without the ball to then make it easier to tag them. So it's okay to strike. Like for instance, if you have the ball in your hand, and you're and you're you, you know yeah. they hit they hit the ball. You go, you get it. They're running around the bases. You can go up and then like kick them to the ground so that way you can then approach them and then touch them with the ball. Yeah. And and, and touching them with the ball most of the time is striking them very hard. <laughs> yeah. Normally you're punching them literally with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah but like i guess i'll talk about what i liked about this series first because there are some negatives yeah yeah i um i agree i loved the over-the-top nature of this series a lot like my favorite moment by far was when in the final match the main villain just punches the ball to pitch it (laughs) Because I'm like, I really want to see some someone punch it to actually hit as, like, the batter. Because when this one dude, I forgot his name. You got the pipe. Because they built him, built him up so much. Um, I have it. Sakura. Hanafuda Sakura. Mm-hmm. When he gets up there and he's like, oh, I don't have a bat. I expected him to punch the ball. But then he uses the pipe. Yeah, and it hits and, so hard, it, the ball warps around the pipe. It's a tiny little yes. pipe, and you know, little little smoking pipe. And like the ball was breaking bats earlier, like yeah. beam bats and stuff. <laughs> and he's just like, boom! And he does like a pop fly, and then it's just like, all right, come on, catch me! Like as he's like standing there, and then fights the chick. And I loved that moment. I also he was loved dodging the fact... all the hits and everything. Like that. And then she just pulls out yeah, a gun and shoots sh- him. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, oh. But it didn't even affect him overall. Like, yeah. he was fine. Like, oh, dang it, you shot me. That's messed up. <laughs> but I also loved, uh, like, the one that just, he he can't hit the ball worth crap, but he creates a vortex oh around the he bat. He swings so hard that <laughs> yeah. even if he misses the ball, which he almost always does, the it creates a vacuum behind yeah. the bat that sucks the ball in and, sm- and like, pulls it forward. It's yeah, insane. It's so great. It's so stupid. <laughs> or like the one dude from the Adachi tribe, which is one of my favorite groups, who just lights the ball on fire. For no reason. Pitching. It doesn't even help. <laughs> no, it just looks cool. Like and he, Same with the bat. Like His bat's just like a metal bat with barbed wire that he lights on fire. 
And it's like, it looked so, it's so cool. And they had, those are the team that they drove motorcycles because those were their cleats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like driving up walls and shit. (laughs) It's so over the top. Or the, the Oda tribe, the like team that just start cheating and. Oh yeah. They're just like, like the violent, crazy people. Like. Like some sort yeah, because he just wanted Martel. chaos. Yeah, is all he was after, and I loved like the chick where, like the crazy chick, with the uh, electric railgun or whatever. Like, yeah, the... like there was there's a lot of great weird stupid moments that were over the top, and I think that was a benefit. The other thing I absolutely loved about this series was the soundtrack. Yeah, it, it slaps. Like, that soundtrack, I I loved everything. Like, as soon as you start getting into a moment, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, they put on some good music. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, there's so much, like, rock and rap and, like, kind of some punk stuff in there. And yeah, there's some techno. Tech- there's, like, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like, it's a great mixture, and it works so well. Like, absolutely love it. It's funny. I was on this uh, this Discord with someone, and they're like, "Man, this 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 show sucks. It's not even about baseball." It's like, dude, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they play a little bit, but they do skim over the baseball a lot. Yeah, it's like there's, and I feel like it's an it's, action series that uses like visual representations of baseball to kind of like parody it's like a parody almost yeah you know it's like yeah no they're not playing baseball by any like in any meaningful way really um they're they're literally just like it's another sport that uses some kind of like baseball baseball for the most part (laughs) yeah like it uses the core rule set of baseball and then that's it like yeah. beyond that it's not quite baseball well n- none of the regulatory stuff that keeps things from you know there's essentially no rules there there are some rules but they're very arbitrary and like they don't really yeah and it's weird from... how they're enforced because even like during the team when the oda tribe was cheating as like, long as they don't there was a lot of weird moments yeah. like because when the one leader is about to slit one of the characters throats <laughs> Like, the judge robot was about to shoot him, like, for a violation. And he's just like, all right. And then, but later, he attacks and, like, destroys one of the judge robots, and none of the other judge robots react to that. And I'm like, how is that okay? Like, it's not okay to threaten another player, but totally okay to kill a judge? Like, that's that's fine? Well, or like, that while the judge robots were malfunctioning, they scored 102 runs. Oh, my God. And the judge robots just, like, come back online. They're like, I'll allow that. I'm sure it totally legally happened while I was, yeah, it's like, like incapacitated. Yeah, the... <laughs> my God. <laughs> it's insanity. I, I, I can't even... Oh, my God. I can't even... There's no point. There's no point in trying to rationalize it. <laughs> No, it's it's over the top, but that's kind of the point. Yeah. Like it's it's by the team it's, of Dungan Ronpa. It's like funny. it's meant to be over the top. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Like I I find everything to be 
like I like it because it's funny. It's it's so yeah. it, it's hilarious. It's, it's a the show has a good sense of humor, and I find it all to be very just absurd. You know, it's like it's absurdism. Yeah. So, uh, one of my biggest things about this show though is I feel, and this is my opinion, mm-hmm. I feel this should have been two seasons. I feel like we should have had at the end of season one the death of Shun Kamiya. Yeah, we were talking like, about this I think that last... should have been yeah. yeah, I think that should have been the season one finale. Because I feel like it would have more impact. Like it had some decent impact. Yeah. But we also barely knew him. Like he died in episode three. Yeah. And then later in the final battle like, we get all the way to the final battle by episode, what, 10? And it's like all these people from the other tribes are coming in. And I'm like, this would be a really cool moment. Yeah, yeah. If we had, like, it was a cool moment already. But it would have meant so much more if we had spent more time with them going against these tribes and getting to know some of the other tribes. Right, right. Like, it would have had, I think, more of the feel that they wanted it to have as these people come in and like start helping out. I totally agree. Or even like, because again, we could have had at the end of season one, Shun Kamiya's like, you know, thing. And then halfway through season two would have been the, uh, where the main villain kills the King of Tokyo or whatever, and becomes King and then start the final, like as a twist for the episode six and then go into the final thing from there yeah that, like that, i feel that old it man, just was rushed that old man <laughs> was so like he barely ever showed up he was he was always just like shouting from his throne like you know tear them he, asunder rip them like, yeah he <laughs> was made to be the most unlikable caricature of a villain ever yeah like and then you know the well and then we also have the chick that betray, like you know he kicks out and so she destroys the castle mm-hmm and leaves and then that's just unresolved yeah she, she yeah she's just gone yeah like she's like all right i'm just gonna go establish a puppet you know ruler that i can control and leaves and you're just like wait what <laughs> yeah like i wanted to see her get her comeuppance like she was yeah. a bitch <laughs> yeah 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 she really was like why what are you doing shooting my boy like <laughs> like seriously <laughs> and plus she was acting all high and mighty yeah, the yeah. whole time like, like he was playing completely fairly, and he just like shot him. Like, oh, come on, like that's that's messed up. Yeah, when as soon as she starts losing, like no, nope, yeah, she's just shoot like yeah. yeah, she's she's so high and mighty, but then she's definitely willing to just cheat. Like she's like, oh, I'm better. I'm just better at baseball than you. But then when she's not, then she just shoots yeah, you. Then it's like, well, fuck you. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, screw you. Yeah, exactly. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and see, the other thing, too, about the fact that we didn't have a lot of time, like, the Shinigawa tribe, we only ever met the two characters from them, mm-hmm. like, um, which was, like, the first one they'd go against. The Setagaya tribe, out uh, of the tribes, like, did, was the one rich no- dude. Notes? I have the wiki open. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um... But it's like we only see the one dude, which, by the way, I don't know how he survived. Who? The, because the, the, the fat rich the guy? The fat dude. Yeah. Like, he literally <laughs> opened a bomb that blew up part of the house 
And then they, I thought, oh, he's dead, because it's just news reports and mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. And then in, like, the final episode, you just see him sitting in his te- er, limo, yeah. like, like, perfectly fine, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. not even injured. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> I thought you were dead. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you survive? Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, again, we, we have no, like, we didn't meet the Setagaya tribe for the most part. Yeah, you didn't. And even the Taito tribe, which is where Hanafuda Sakura is from, it was just him and Yajirobe, the other dude, Ueno. And that was it. Like, we never saw them. And Sakura was talked up. Like, like he had to be talked up to us because they couldn't show it to us. They had to mention, like, oh, well, he was the only person that Shun couldn't beat. And stuff like that. And it's like, oh, okay. Now we see how good he is a little bit later when he does hit the ball with the pipe. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked a little bit more of, like, a flashback where we actually see the match between him and Shun. That would have been a really cool moment. Yeah, it definitely feels as though everything was well realized, right? Like, like, like the people who made this knew the history of all the characters, and they knew what happened even when you don't see it, right? But they just didn't have the opportunity to actually expound on it. And somehow the way, like the fact that it was as short as it was, was, was arbitrary. Like, you know, like it was, or like it it could have been longer and it should have been, but they had to do a season for whatever reason. And well, and again, there is going to be a video game and, uh, for it. Like, so it is made to just tie in with it. Yeah. And a webtoon, apparently. But well, that's what yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is still like so. I'm sure the game will probably expand on it a lot more since it'll have the room to to be a longer thing, or at least I hope it does. I hope that the game doesn't just follow the plot of strictly the plot of mm-hmm. the anime, and that we kind of see more of these characters and get more into that. Right. But, like, because I feel like the world was decently realized, and I would love to see more of it. Right. Like, because again, even if we had seen all of the tribes, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So there's still tribes we actually never saw in in the series. Mm-hmm. One thing I do like um, about it is this is a mixed media project. And it doesn't feel as though it's an advertisement for a game, you know? No. Which I like. No, it very much doesn't. Like, it feels like it is its own thing that you go, oh, well, there's a game? Okay, well, the game's probably just going to expand on, you know, what the anime couldn't because the anime was just, you know, what it, like, had 12 episodes and that's it. So I'm very excited to see about the game. I'm hoping it comes to the U.S., but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I enjoyed Tribe Nine. I think it has its issues, and I think a lot of that could have been corrected by a season two, like just announcing a two yeah. season. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I I didn't have quite as much of a grasp of what I disliked about the show although i did know that it was missing something but a lot of the things that you mentioned to me were 
helped me like basically put a word to it and i do think that that's what it was it was kind of rushed especially at the end you know i felt like the kind of redemption that they gave the the villain character the or the antagonist if you will um yeah i would i would have liked to see uh what was his name uh the guy with the arm um um he was ayo or kazuki ayo ayama i believe was that one uh right um so kazuki you know i would have liked to see uh see his character more fleshed out with along with the um the antagonist to where you know what was it, ojiro right yeah ojiro was the main yeah main antagonist um that way the their relationship their their friendship and all that we could we could kind of like understand the ups and downs with more i would have contextualized it a little bit better and it would have been more enjoyable to watch i think whereas everything kind of just happened so quickly and there's a lot of things that um i just didn't really feel like i i fully understood so when they happened i just wasn't i didn't feel as strongly about them as maybe i i could have right because with that like to your point like the the building blocks were there like they set up a redemption for ojiro like very much mm-hmm. but then they just kind of had to rush it like they set up the kazuki and ojiro relationship they set up all of that but it felt like it was just okay well here's what you need to know for the minimum and let's go versus to your point if they had had like if they had kind of put more into it it would have felt a lot more natural and earned to see like the relationship a little bit more with Kazuki and Ojiro, how Ojiro became the person that he is now, you know? Cause I think we got like half an episode mm-hmm. of them talking about all that. And then that was it. That was all everything that you're supposed to get in order to be like, Oh, okay. Now when Ojiro kind of just as a change of heart, it it's all good. Right. Right. And it's like, yeah, the foundation was there, but you didn't finish building the house, like, before trying to move everyone in. So, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think it ruined it, but it was also kind of like, oh, it's not as good as it could have been. Right. Uh, I feel like the show had a lot more potential. I think it, it did fine enough, like, I enjoyed it. It was definitely one of the more fun ones to watch, especially to binge. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I I think uh, it started strong, and it kind of it kind of like rushed certain parts that were I think were very critical to making the end of the show better, and it did stick the landing, although the degree at which it was able to do so was hampered by the pacing throughout the show. So, you know, it, uh, they had potential, but, you know, more potential than when it was able to grasp, but it was still a really good show. And 
yeah i definitely enjoy it you know yeah. i think it's, it's it's very fun it's very stimulating it's uh something that i it's the fabric of the show the world if you will and the systems that take place within it the characters and and all of that are interesting enough to where i'm definitely going to check out the webtoon and i'm definitely going to check out the game because I, I want to interact with this idea more so yeah like there's there's definitely more to tell here like you know more story to tell so it'll be nice to see what the game and the webtoon do and i'll definitely try checking out as much of it as i can mm -hmm. to see if they maybe have are given more of the room to breathe and you know finish what this the actual anime right. started also a game doesn't have doesn't have the same criteria as an anime so you can still like appreciate like all the fun elements of it while not requiring some of the more nuanced elements of it in a game for instance you know you it's then then about the gameplay and how you interact and stuff like that as opposed to flushing the characters out necessarily you know the webtoon might might be like more of the medium to flesh out the characters perhaps yeah which would be nice because mm -hmm. i love these characters yeah. like i think they're a lot of fun and like just oh over the top it's duncan Ron yeah like the characters are extreme versions of normal people like <laughs> yeah like, that is what they're meant to be. Like, the series is trying to be stylized people. Mm. Like, they're not meant to be your average person. Right. Although, I would say, like, the, the, the guy with the green hair who got who got the bean bat, he's pretty pretty average, I would say. And He's the most average. The girl is also very he's, average. He's like Makoto from Danganronpa. Yeah. Also, but... also um... Um, what's the guy's name again? Um, in the Minato tribe, uh, Kazuki, right? Is also pretty average. I mean, his backstory is a little bit more, you know, kind of crazy or whatever. And, um, but aside from that, he seems to be pretty average to me, you know? Yeah. The, the, the crazy, the crazy person is in the Minato tribe to be more specific would be, um let's see here i'm like i'm on the uh i'm actually on the wiki as well but it's like there's no place for just characters <laughs> no uh well actually wait there, maybe there is here oh here yeah there is I, um although it's like oh so taiga you better know their name yeah taiga was the one with the vacuum like they missed and right taiga is had, insane like, the right shun yeah. is I would say he's less than normal. He's kind of like one of those characters who's like overly ideal. He's not wacky, but he's also not normal. He's like he's like really ideal. Like, oh, I'm perfect, you know, except I'm terminally ill. And that's yeah. like his personality. <laughs> well, and they also like later reveal that he was kind of like an and like he basically was the same as Ojiro for a while, right. and then 
like his friends kind of got to him after time and stuff like that. Which I would have loved to see more of that. Yeah, that would have been great. Because yeah. they kind of just have it where it's like, yeah, he used to be the same as Ojiro. And then I told him once, like, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of just stopped <laughs> after that. Like, right. Like, it's like, I would have loved to see, like, again, a flashback arc would have done great for this series. Because mm-hmm. we would have seen more Shun Tamiya. We would have seen some of the other tribes, like, the character that they're like, oh, he never beat him. Maybe that's how he became unlike Ojiro was because during that match, the dude, the more laid back Hanafuda was just like, you know, what's the big deal as he's kicking his ass, you mm-hmm. know? Like he realized that he's not arrogant, but more like, but strong, even with this laid back attitude of just loving the game. Like, that would have been a great way to introduce, you know, Hanafuda Sakura, have us see how much pow- like how powerful he is, while also having more of a reason why, you know, Shun Kamiya stopped being such a power-hungry dick, <laughs> was realizing that you don't need to be this power-hungry dick to be powerful. Mm. Like, you can, you know, there's other paths to power. Right. But so yeah, no, I uh, I'm definitely gonna engage with this uh, franchise more in the future, and I would say it's definitely a recommendation. It's the uh, you know I feel like this is quite cliche, but it's it doesn't take itself seriously. To well, I, I hate I really hate the phrase. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Like I can't that chase at me so much. Or I chafe at it so much, but um, but it, it takes itself. Uh, it, it doesn't take itself seriously, and to the point where the things that it does need to be justified. So you can watch the show and just appreciate it for, you know, the wacky and sometimes strange and non sequitur. <laughs> kind of uh romp that it is so yeah all right well do we have any uh final statements about any of the shows this season or anything else that you want to include no i think that's pretty much it like it was a decent season like there was some good stuff some hits some misses Mm -hmm. but not one of the greatest seasons that I've had in a long time, but not a bad season. Yeah, yeah. I um, I feel like uh, the discussions around, like, oh, this is a good season, it's a bad season, is kind of unproductive sometimes. It's like, you know, a lot of times people kind of make their decision on whether a season's going to be good or bad before the season starts. I feel like a lot of people looked at the shows you see and like, ah, oh, it's not that great, you know? And they kind of maintained that attitude throughout the entire season, even when it ended. Um, because, like, what makes a good season, to me, is how I feel about it afterwards, right? And um, right. and that's probably how it is for most people, but, like, if that was, if that was simply the case, I would say that this was a great season. Um... You know, like, uh, 
ranking of kings easily puts it at a fantastic season like this is if a show if a season managed to have one show like ranking of kings then you know that instantly propels it to a great season in my opinion and then you have attack on titan which while i have some big issues with it watching that show from episode to episode is a lot of fun and i'm always looking forward to it. like oh my god attack on titan like it really attracts a lot of my attention and my investment and i like discussing with other people and a lot of other people are watching the show which makes it kind of like a communal experience so i do appreciate having that so that's really cool um demon slayer might kind of inhabit that space for you i don't know if that's a accurate statement but i i love yeah i loved watching demon slayer episode by episode and i even watched it with a friend like i would watch the episodes on my own and then when i would go hang out with a friend like he wanted to watch it and i'm like yeah sure i'll watch it again mm-hmm. so we'd you know like <clears throat> i just love it like it's a great series but yeah it's the same type of thing where it's like it's just a lot of fun to watch yeah you know, and it makes the season fun. Right, it gives you something to like really look forward to. Like it's an event essentially. It's not just because obviously any good show you're like wanting to watch the next episode, but Attack on Titan has like a certain there's a certain obligation that I have to watch Attack on Titan that even the best show that's out this season I don't have. Like, I have to watch Attack on Titan because it's Attack on Titan, and other people are watching it, and I want to talk about it, and I've been, I've also been watching it for several seasons, so at this point I can't stop, and I'm really anticipating this, this end, which probably is more hyped up than, than it could possibly come back and, and fulfill that. You know, like, there's no way that could fulfill the hype that, has been built up for it and i know that but that's not the point the point is that i i am hyped about it i'm here right now (laughs) you know so yeah like uh, to your point though uh, earlier like what makes a good season or a bad season is very much it's subjective and you can't tell until the end like until you've watched all your seasonal stuff and then you're like okay yeah that was a good season. Like, it's, you know, I enjoyed everything I watched. I had fun. Like, that's what makes a good season. Expectations, too, I think. Because, like, for instance, if yeah, you have, I'll... like, all these shows coming out by, like, Madhouse, Trigger, you know, Cloverworks, like, all these big hitters, you know, um, you know, and, and all these products that have all been hyped up, and they're based on these manga that everyone's familiar with, and they're all expecting to be amazing. And oh my god, this season's a big, fat, chunky, big hitting season. You know, like that's what people always say. And then, you know, it's just like fine. Like I feel like there's like an obligation to be like, oh, this season was great, but it's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like there's just a bunch of things that you expected to be great that you had a lot of excitement about but as far as like the actual content like i love when the season comes out with a bunch of shows that i have no reason to have any to feel anything about but then i came away liking most things like tribe nine was really great um slow loop was really yeah. great like these things that i there's no i had no presuppositions about 
um, police in a pod, although it is Madhouse and there's they have a, a, a reputation, it, it it intrigued me and it delighted me in ways that I didn't expect it to do. Um, Savakui Bisco, right? We, I didn't get an opportunity to really talk about that um, much, but that was really exciting. Um, and I didn't have any reason to, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I had no reason to feel any kind of way about it. It's not based on anything previously. You know, Platinum End, uh, fair, that did have some kind of like baggage or whatever you could say, because it was the whole, it's the Death Note guys that did that. Yeah, like, that lends itself to expectations. Right, right. But, like, Kuroshi Ai was also a really great one. Had known nothing about that. Um, Tokyo 24th Ward, I knew nothing about it. It ended up being kind of disappointing. I, I'm i not sure if I'm ever going to get to really talk about it, because we have too many things. And, yeah. you know, that's a whole other thing I have to contend with, but... Um, but yeah, you know, so I, I just, I'm really happy that I was able to find, I felt like, I guess what I'm saying is I like seasons that are kind of like seasons of discovery as opposed to just seasons of met expectation. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm having an issue with next season because I'm like, there's so many, there's anime coming out that I'm like, I unfortunately have expectations Mm. for because I read the mangas for them. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, like Spy X Family is one of the uh, big ones coming out next season. See, that that's an and anime where... I read it. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I... You know, unfortunately, I don't want to go in having expectations. Oh, uh, yeah. But I'm... Like, there's no way to help yeah, it. Like, yeah. You know, like, you can try your hardest to... To go in with a fully open mind, but you're also still going like the way our brains are wired, you're still gonna end up comparing it yeah. to it. Like when you know about it. Yeah, there's a certain freedom that you have when you don't have expectations. Um that I always recognize, like, man, I'm really happy that I don't know what this is because I can truly appreciate it for what it is like, or could truly dislike it for what it is, you know, not as an adaptation, but as its own thing. Right. Like as literally the story it's trying to tell me, was it good or bad in in this medium? Exactly. Without, yeah. Oh, do they adapt it? Well, whatever. It's like, yeah. Cause I I get it. Like it, you know, something in an adaptation will be, judged on the merit that it is an adaptation and it should be right but it all it also will be judged on its own merit by people who don't have the limitations and it also should be so it's really just a matter of like you know i really feel that it's a privilege that i don't have an expectation because i can appreciate in a way that someone else may never get to and that's that's kind of nice yeah I agree with that. Like, it's nice when you can honestly, truly go into a series with no expectations of of anything other than, well, I read the description and it sounded kind of fun. Yeah. Like, you know, or it sounded good. That's the extent of my expectations. There is something to be said, though, about 
having your expectations met or even exceeded. Like that's that feels really good too. Oh yeah. Like when an anime exceeds expectations, like Demon Slayer exceeded my mm. expectations for an anime adaptation. Jujutsu Kaisen <laughs> far exceeded like I don't even care much for the manga. I, I'm current in it, but I would never purchase yeah. it. The anime I'd buy as soon as they put it on Blu ray. Yeah. Because it it enhanced that series so much. The utility of setting the bar low. <laughs> yeah. It comes in handy yeah. sometimes. All right. Well, uh, tell us where we can where we can find you. Uh, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at LazyGamingGuys. That's going to be the channel that I also hang out with on Wednesday nights. We stream uh, about 1030 Eastern. And links and all of that are on the Twitter page, so if you just go there, you'll find all of that fun stuff, along with the Discord link for the Lazy Game Guys Discord. I wanted to check that out. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, you can find me, of course, here um, at the Ronin Council Podcast, which is on the Exiles Network. Uh, just type in the Exiles Network uh, into any of your podcatchers, and you'll find all of our podcasts, including this one. Uh, you can find us on social media on Twitter uh, at Ronin Council, or you can find all of our content from all of our different podcasts at The Exiles Net at Twitter or on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Discord as well. I have my own Discord, The Exiles Network, which I will link in the show notes, and you can join there. Uh, you can also find me a lot on The Reasons I'm Broke podcast. Dan is a good friend of mine. We're we have a close relationship, uh, so definitely check out his content. Um, he definitely deserves it. Um, also, you can, you can check me out on Vero as well, uh, which is vero.co slash millennialmike. And a lot of my just kind of personal stuff I put up there. Um, whenever I watch a movie, I usually kind of post what I'm watching. And I might kind of put other musings or links or things on there that interest me so if you're kind of just wanting to know what i'm up to that's a good place to uh to, to see that as well um anyway uh we really appreciate you for sitting through what has turned out to be a well after our this is going to be split up but there's eight hours of content that i recorded between today and yesterday <laughs> it is a beast um four hours of news and four hours of anime discussion so, yeah, uh, until next time, you know, <laughs> uh, we'll see how this turns out. But until next time, uh, you know, stay tuned and uh, we'll see you at a dojo near you. Matane. <laughs>